You good? Okay, let's go. All right, going live. Lower your audio on this because sometimes we forget yeah, it's to put it on. You know how to use it? <laughs> just, just, just swipe. Is this here for a reason? Uh, yeah, it's intentional. Okay. Starting preview. Preview is showing. There is no audio yet. Audio is live. Videos live? And then. Howdy. Good morning, Rob Jolly. Soy boy always late. I'm Eredis of Soli. I mean, that's what they're saying. What's going on here? El Debas. And then we're live. We are officially live. Episode number is this 16th episode that we have. And we have our good friend, Daniel DeMartino Booth here with us. Morning. To give us an update on what's going on with the economy, the new stimulus that they're going back and for Pelosi, mm -hmm. Trump, all those guys. And then... We got Adam here as well, the man, the myth, the legend, Soy Boy, yeah. which I saw a shirt that was sent you. I thought it was very appropriate. Somebody yeah. wanted to send you a shirt that says Soy Boy, two I'll men take hugging it. each other. I'll take it. Okay, so uh, uh, I think it's fair to say today is the first day of Q4. Yes. You kind of told us about it at the beginning, Correct. which is true. And there's a lot of things going on that want to change the format of the debate. We got a lot of topics. We got some economy topics that we're talking about. 30,000 airline jobs, maybe even 50,000 at this point that uh, are out there that uh, may be lost. You got Palantir's officially public company. Harley Davidson is leaving India, the world's largest mo motorcycle market, leaving India. Bunch of layoffs, KPMG, Allstate, Golden, uh, uh, Goldman Sachs, Disney's letting go of 28,000, JP Morgan's 980, $20 million fine for market manipulation spoofing. 64% of people say the economy worse than it was a year ago. <laughs> China's K-shaped economy and changing in the debate format and a bunch of other topics. We have a lot of things to cover here, but before we get into the topics, Danielle, since we have you here, we've already responded to the debate on what took place between Biden and Trump. I want to kind of get your thoughts here. How, what did you think of that wonderful, you know, easygoing, you know, debate that took place a few days ago? Well, see, I'm one of these geeky types. I actually wanted to know what policies they were prescribing for the country. Remember that 64% who think the economy's worse? Yep. I didn't hear much in terms of substance. I didn't. So I was kind of disappointed there. You, I mean, you couldn't hear anything. You didn't see substance. You couldn't hear anything. No. It was a... It was a it was a cluster-ish thing. Did, did you, cluster ish. Did you think one did better than the other? Like meaning, you know, Trump came in. Did you think Trump did better than you thought he was gonna do, or did you think Biden did better than he thought he was you thought he was gonna do? Oh, I think the consensus is that Biden didn't mess up. Okay. I think that I think that, that is there were there was this concern that there was gonna be some major gaffe on stage, and I mean he, he kind of held his own in the boxing ring. You think so? I think he did. What's your football score between the two guys? What is the football score? You know, right now, I think we're, we're tied at the half. R really? Oh, You're yeah. just putting it a tie right now. Oh, that, that, that's where Ve Vegas has been pretty neck and neck, and I, I go with Vegas. Here's, here's a question for you. You know, they do these VP presidents. I know, you, I know you're, you're a Pence fan. Do you think the VP debates matter at all? I think. <laughs> have you seen the demographics of the presidential candidates? Yes, they matter. I mean, more than ever before, meaning like if there's ever been a time that it matters, would you say more? Well, today one of them has got cholesterol issues. The other one, who knows? So, yes, I mean, everybody wants to know who could potentially. This, I think this is 
a more critical vice presidential debate than anything we've ever seen. You think it's more important than ever that the debate, uh, the, the VP debate, more Absol important than ever? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, there's a greater demo—I'm just—this th is not brain surgery. This is, this is demographics. Well, some of us need brain surgery because, you know, yeah. some of us—our heads have been hit too many times, whether it was military and sports, well, so we yeah. need—that's yeah, why we're, we we're bringing you on here for common sense. to help us out. Okay, this I is why you're here, Danielle. I didn't get the concussion Some, some of our audience okay. have also played sports. <laughs> I can tell you that's what's wrong with my middle son. I mean, every time I say him, I'm like, you were definitely dropped on your head. <laughs> Middle He's side. like, thanks, mom. Yeah, yeah especially on national, you know, live. This is yeah. very impressive for him. So you're looking forward to the, the the VP debate. Are you looking more forward to the next presidential debate or the VP debate? Where's well, Danielle? I, I mean, I think this? people are going to tune in for the next presidential debate because they they need more live sports in their lives. <laughs> so um, more I mean, brain bashing. I, well, look, they're, they're going to come up with some new strictures, guidelines, what have you. But I mean, look, my second master's is in journalism. I. I was impressed that Chris Wallace held his cool, hmm. and you could tell that he was sweating under his collar because he was being put in such a precarious position. I do mean, you think he did a good job, Chris Wallace? I think he held it together. I really do. But a good job or no? I mean, he, he couldn't have done a worse job, let's put it that way. I mean, if I was him, I'd rip my microphone off and walked, walked away and said, you just duke it out. If, if, if this is how you're going to comport, you're not here okay. to do this. I had, I had the twins initially watching it, my, my soon-to-be 13-year-old twins initially watching the debate. Once profanities started flying, I'm like, go to bed now. Really? Now. I'm, I'm like, this is not how America operates. This is not what we Which look like. This is a national embarrassment. What was the moment you said, no, 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 no. But uh, just shut up. Was no, no. That was that profanity? No, that wasn't. No, there was real profanity that I'm was not going to. Oh, twi two instances of it Ooh. that I'm not going to. Would you, would you, no, well, there's no cursing. We've never cursed in our lives, but please, for, you know, our audience that also Wait, we have to figure out yeah, what kind of search to see who. Did, did Trump drop F-bombs? I didn't catch it. No, 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 it. there wasn't an F-bomb. I didn't say that. I mean, Profanity, Trump, debate. What, what did the letter start with? It started with a B. With a B? Senior reporter uses profanity to describe the debate. Okay. I'm trying to see what was said. Now I'm actually curious. It's not It's not saying any word. Did, did he actually say I don't say know. I think word? Danielle just broke some breaking news over here. That, that minor in journalism wow. is really... Uh, Shown? Masters. 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 Come on, University. Come on. <laughs> that minor in journalism. Oh, okay. You're like, well, buddy, it's a master's. I apologize. There's a, there's a thing here that says, son times. of a bitch got fired. Is Ooh. that the one? Uh, yeah. Pat, okay. with the language, Pat. With the language. <laughs> so I'm very surprised Trump would ever use profanity. You know, for what I would like to know right now is if the second debate was moderated not by Chris Wallace at this point, but by Danielle DiMartino Booth, yeah, what cool. would you do differently? I, a, I would have one of those shot collar things. Shot so collar? If, a shot collar? Yeah, if you say <laughs> if you say a, if you say a bad word, if you're gonna if you're gonna hit below the belt when you're supposed to be, I don't know, the, the leader of the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, to have some comportment of some type. Um, either of them, then you get to zap them. You're shocking Trump. And if if they <laughs> go if they go over their time because it's it's 120 seconds. Hopefully, if you're the leader of the free world, you can gather your thoughts in 120 That's seconds. That's a tough ask. So then then you, I would have the other button with the dunk the dunk tank. Oh, <laughs> That, 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 see now you're talking Shunk. my language because now it's entertaining. He's looking for excitement. Yeah. If, if it's Pat's supposed looking to be, for reality if TV. it's supposed to be, if this is like supposed to be The Apprentice meets the debate, meets the, the Golden the boxing Girls, ring, you know, the, the Golden Girls, the Golden Guys. I love that. Yeah. Um, and you're wondering why we're watching the vice presidential debate, right? Okay, they're golden. Okay. 
clogged arteries. So yes, they're old. They're said. old. Yeah. They're so old. so why don't we why don't we do this? First of all, there was okay. a lot of memes that were going around. Can you show us some of the memes, Kai? I think it's good to start with uh, some real serious topics of the memes. Uh, uh, this is one of them that came out. Can you uh, our get along shirt? Okay, mm. Biden and Trump. I don't know why Trump is shorter here, but. It is what it is. Do you have the other one? Uh, uh, here's one that's very emotional. Very emotional. Oh my God. Is that Chris Wallace saving the day? Yeah. Nice. Carrie and Biden. Nice. Heartfelt. This one brought a tear. Okay. Then go to the next one. Go to the next one, which was, uh, 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 you know, uh, do you have the other one or no? The one that uh, I gave Mario. Mario may want to send that to you. The one I sent to Mario is pretty funny as well. Um, now they're talking about changing the format of the debate. Mm -hmm. Now the conversation is, what if they can change the format of the debate? A couple different things came out is, I just looked at it right now, you were talking about it earlier, a possibility of a mic mute, meaning muting. If you're going over, the uh, uh, moderator has the ability to just press mute and yeah. nobody can hear you. Um, any thoughts on that, on being able to mute the other person from speaking? Well, I, I mean, something needs to get done here. Or do we just let... Children just act like children. I mean, what's, do we want more excitement? We want less excitement. We want more order. Do we want Trump being more Trumpy? Like what? What I will say is this, and this is being nonpartisan. I know you're going to think, as someone who is not a fan of Donald Trump, just to watch the guy constantly interrupt. Like I, I told you, I taught second grade when I was in my early twenties. Yeah. He was acting like a second grader. Like, hey, buddy, Timmy, I told you to, to be quiet. We, we have a class to run. You keep interrupting. No, 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 no. Timmy, I've told you a few times. Uh, Donnie, I've told you a few times. Yeah. How huh? many times you got to tell someone? Not that not that old man Biden was, you know, on his best behavior. Hey, Chris Wallace had to, had to be like, it, it, this See, is I think Chris Wallace time. needed this to be tougher. Time, so. This is a, everyone's like, Chris Wallace saved the day for saving Private Ryan over here. If he actually... Again, nonpartisan, he needs to step in and be like, guys, we are grown men here. What is going on here? Like, stop it. Just enough of this nonsense. But he was like, excuse me, uh, uh, if, you, if you don't mind, uh, uh, perhaps, um, well, would you consider, like, shut your faces, people. Well, I mean, he's, he's, he is in a position where he's supposed to be deferential. These people have been leaders of our country. You, I mean, you don't you don't chastise the president. You don't. You don't chastise, chastise him, but he's president. allowed to chastise anyone. Uh, uh no, no, no. You're suggesting that he gets he gets down with him. I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not uh, saying that the moderator needs to be debating someone, but if you're the moderator, the key word is moderate. Moderation. He, There's. He, he, there he was, was no moderation yeah. going on there. So, so I would tell you a couple. Things. What would you One, do? Yes, please. The stat is there was 70 interruptions. Okay, 70 interruptions in 90 Gosh. minutes, okay? I don't know if that's a lot or it's not a lot, but 70 interruptions. Seems like happen. a lot. Okay, let's just say it's a big number, fine. Number one, the one thing is for sure, Wallace, if things don't go well with him at Fox, he's got a job at CNN, 100%. Okay? <laughs> Possibly MSNBC. CNN yeah. and MSNBC, he's got a job for he life. He came from the liberal networks. I know he did. But and Roger Ailes and Murdoch himself, they hired him knowing full well that... <laughs> That he was, at least to me, I I did not know, and I've watched him for years, I've watched Fox for years, I did not know that he was a card-carrying Democrat until right before the debates. Because he's always, at least to me, he's always gone straight down the middle. He's hard on people on the left and the right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like David Brinkley used to be. He, he would never show his politics in his job, in but his position, and that's 
That that's his job. His job is to is to stay straight down the middle. But he no, showed it two days ago. You're, you're saying that he is in fact a Democrat. He is. Like he's registered as a Democrat or he's voted. Democrat. That was in a, a June New York See, Times for, profile. For me, he needs to be a registered independent. People that are moderating debates. I, that's not how it be. works. Cooper's going to be moderating the debate. You know, Cooper will Anderson be Cooper is a little bit different. I mean, that's, well, what's so different about it? He's, I mean, that's Sanderson Cooper. We know that he's on the left. Like, he's not even making, you know. So that's, I don't that's, have a, that's I don't the have third a problem one. with that. I don't have a problem with that. Go ahead. That's the third debate then, Cooper? Cooper's the third okay. debate. The next the next one is uh, Scott something. I don't know who's he's this. He's got Bayo. He's got yeah. Bayo. He's a big he's Trump fan. He's C-SPAN. C-SPAN. Oh. Yeah. C-SPAN. Danielle, can we bring our seats up a little bit? Are you good? In the bottom up here. You good? There you go. Am I feeling short? A little bit. I want the people to know how big you are in real life, like how grand right. you are. All right. So right, I, I'm not on technological. The right side, it's the other side, buddy. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Okay. So, oh, so, so yep, you're having fun. Be a blooper. We're having fun with Danielle. Here we be go. a blooper in the future. So yay. 70 interruptions, Wallace, Jobs, CNN, yeah. left, center left, wherever he's at, you're uncomfortable with him, whether he's in the middle. you got to be in the middle. It's different than Scott. It's different than Cooper. You know, here's a couple things about the debate, the whole thing about trying to put a two-minute uh, thing uh, on it. My problem is the complete opposite side. Mm-hmm. So here, so here's what it is. So if you're debating somebody and debates is about being overly prepared, you know, I think yesterday Tom said something very good when we were having lunch. He said the fact that an entrepreneur like Trump, his entire life, he's told people what to do. People don't tell him what to do. So he comes from the standpoint of, who are you to tell me what to do? I mean, even Chris Christie was trying to coach this guy for debating, Trump. And Trump's just kind of like, I'm going to go do it the way I've been doing it my entire life. You better believe the one song that Trump has on repeat in his car, if he ever listens to any songs, it's I did it my way. It's Trump. It's, <laughs> he is a full-on I did it my way, right? He doesn't listen to you, to his wife, to his kids, to maybe he listened to his daughter. He doesn't listen to the media. He doesn't listen to his advisors. So why anybody is surprised? I'm surprised. That's number one. Is that a good thing, though? I'm not telling you it's a good thing or a bad okay. thing. I'm just telling you who he is. I'm Got giving it. you his uh, demographic. He doesn't listen to anybody. DNA. But That's sucks. his DNA. Okay. Here's the other part. The other part for me is, okay, Biden kept reading his cards. What does that mean that you're reading your cards? It's preparation. Maybe you didn't write it. Trump just looked at the camera like this and he spoke. You know where Trump stands. You don't know where Biden stands. You know where Biden's team stands, but you don't know where Biden stands. So you have two different things to, to go with. One, where you know what Trump is going to do because he wears it on his sleeve. The other one is somebody that's overly been coached that is going to say what his team's told him to say. Those are the two things that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. So if you're, st- if you're sitting there saying, we got to change the format and maybe be in, be in a bit of mic one of the guys if he interrupts the other person. Well, that's exactly what a lot of the audience doesn't want to see. If you're doing a debate specifically for people in the world of journalism, they got to do what they want to do. If you're doing a debate for the average person to make up their mind, you can't make up their mind after a two-minute answer, boom, okay, next, boom, okay, next, boom, okay, next. You can't do that because then you don't have enough momentum for a person to be able to make up their mind. I want to be able to, like, for example, you know, uh, uh, Joe Jorgensen's camp reached out to us. They said they'd like to do a... Uh, 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 right uh, stuff on here right uh, now. What do you call it? Joe Jorgensen said they're, they're, they're wanting to come up and be a guest because, you know, she was not on the debate and she's the libertarian mm-hmm. candidate. And, uh, you know, I said, if you want to come down here, we'll give you a couple hours and you can kind of share your thoughts, right? Come down and share your thoughts and tell us what you think about current politics. When, when you saw Sanders go on Rogan, 
He spoke, and he kind of gave his answers. When you saw Tulsi Gabbard going around talking, you saw answers. Mm -hmm. When you're seeing people going around talking, today's world, the reason why these podcasts are doing very well is because the long form does well. When she came the first time and we sat down and we spoke, it was two hours. I don't know what it was. Yeah. It was a good two hours. People finally got a chance to say, holy, who is, what? Who is this lady? She's brilliant. I fit. This is amazing. We learn about her. The audience then makes the decisions and says what? Wow, I like her. I like her views. I don't like her here. I don't like her here. But I, she's brilliant. I like the way she put things up. We were able to make a decision on her based on a couple hours, right? Okay, now, maybe the audience is trying to say, we don't like this 90-minute format. And we don't like this regimented two-minute crap that you guys are doing. Maybe that's what the audience is saying. Well, they, they, maybe, they get the town hall. Yeah. Next time, it's a much more open, casual format. I think that's the, that next time? It's a it's, town it's hall? It's a town hall. But questions, answers, and the I, audience. I don't even think 90 minutes is a long time. I don't think 90 minutes I is a agree. long time. It I agree. It should be at least two be, hours. I think it's more than that. I don't even think two hours. I Let's think, go 10 hours with I, it. Let's I'm do think, it. I'm think, Let's I'm, get crazy. I'm actually being very serious with you. No, I I'm saying three hours, take a break. You can do three hours with 15-minute breaks, three uh, increments. Go one hour, 15 minutes. Go one hour, 15 minutes. Go one hour, 15 minutes. Or go 90 minutes two times. Take a 20-minute break. Go just like football. You got half times. Mm -hmm. Do two 90 minutes and let us talk. And it's not two minutes. Let's see if Biden can give a 10-minute answer. See yeah, if you can like, actually it, go through certain Given topics. what happened a few nights ago, you would have a lot of official reviews. You would have a lot of timeouts. <laughs> for what, fact checks or for what? Penalties. Penalties. <laughs> but, but, you, but you know what I would do? Here, Danielle wants some other, dog collars Here's the other people. thing I, I would do. do. Here's the other thing I would do. Here's the other thing I would do. Yes, sir. This is the other thing I would do. One time we brought a couple guys here to debate marijuana, okay? Yeah. If you know me, uh, I'm not a cigarette guy. I can't stand cigarettes. I, I, long story. Anyways, I was going to go a whole different I You just, smoke I'm a not, cigar, though, every once in a while. I'll smoke yeah. a cigar when I'm with Matt Sapala. That's it. Smoke Shout a cigar, out Sapala. Okay? <laughs> you know, I think I've I smoked five cigars in my life, Matt, four right. been with Matt. Yeah. So, it's, but they came and they debated marijuana. One of the, one of the ones was uh, the development or director from Normal is where she came from. And the other one was a Navy, U.S. Navy intelligence, uh, 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 commander of U.S. Navy intelligence. He came over here. You see him all the time on Fox and CNN. He came over here. We put the debate right behind that. And we went 90 minutes, right? The last 30 minutes of the format of the debate, the way I did it is they talk to each other. I'm not involved. Talk to each other. I want them to talk to each other. Go. You did this. Go talk. Give them 30 minutes. Dude, when there's a fight, let them fight. Mm -hmm. you, the fight is not about the moderator. Let them fight. So now I understand where somebody may come back and say, well, what if it gets ugly? Whenever it got ugly, I kind of held back. I'm like, hey, you know, can you do this? Let them answer. Let her answer. You did a little bit of that. But let them talk. And then this is what we did, which was very interesting. We came back. We asked the guys, what should we do with the debate? And we said, how about at the bottom, we write out green. He was right. Red, you were wrong. So we fact-checked it. Mm -hmm. So what if we watch it on three-hour format and he says, I, I never said, you stupid bastards. Fact-check, yes, you did. Biden's wrong. Boom, I never said that. Boom, yes, Trump, you're wrong. I, I never said this to, boom, you're right. He did never say that. So there's a fact-checker that's being done from both sides. So there's a Fox fact-checker, there's a CNN fact-checker. In that moment, the audience is sitting there saying, Oh, this is kind of cool. I love that. I love I, that idea. Not let's wait till the next day because how many people actually go out there and do their own research to find out if Very you did few. say stupid bastard or Very not? Few. I think that's an exciting format. Live fact checking. I say you go three hours, 
First part is controlled by the moderator. Guess what's the second part? Go. Light it up. Talk to one another. Moder face moderator to face. Stands I want to sit okay, like this. I want that, Biden good, sitting against Trump. But what if they're screaming at each other? Let them. Because then also, that also tells us where they're at. Let them. Let them. Let the audience kind of realize how they handle pressure. Because in reality, Daniel, behind closed doors, when they're sitting with Schumer and Pelosi and they're screaming at each other at the White House, that's what's life going to be anyways when yeah, they're running the organization. So scream. Let's see how you handle meetings behind closed doors. Yeah. Let's learn about you. Let's see who can handle composure. Let's see who can work together. Maybe it's not going to work in Trump's favor. Maybe it's not going to work in Biden's favor. But I want us to sit like this and the moderator says, listen, it's officially your turn. You have a choice. Pick a topic. Next one is your choice. You pick whatever topic you want. You say, okay, I want to go through one topic. What's that? My topic is coronavirus, how you handle it. Great. Why did you do that? Why did I? Why did Obama? Okay, go. Next, 20 minutes. Boom. Think, 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 think. Go 20 minutes. Next topic. Trump, what, what, product, what topic you want to talk about? I want to talk about why for 47 years you've not done shit. And it comes back and says, well, what are you talking about? And then they go back and forth. <laughs> That's the format I want to see. Because open format. No matter how much, when we had uh, Jera here, Jera said something very interesting in her crash of license to carry. She said, look, people, you know, the question was asked, what was the question when she said, if somebody, oh, somebody came with a paintball gun and started shooting up a car on the freeway? Do you remember that story? And you asked the question, did you ask it? Or, I think you asked it. So the can the person take a gun out and point it at him? Okay, and she said, you can, but I just want you to know in that moment, there's no way you're gonna be able to fire exactly at a car because you've never been in that situation before, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So when, she, when we're sitting there yesterday, she said, oh, yesterday you guys don't know what I arrested somebody the night before, last night at 10 o'clock, she was telling that whole story about what happened the night before. As tough as somebody acts, it's very different when a real fight, fight breaks out. Mm -hmm. as, as tough as you think, when I went in the military, man, when we ended, did our first exercise where you're supposed to low crawl over M60s firing above you, and it's 11 o'clock at night, and you're supposed to low crawl in mud, the biggest guy with tattoos on his back is the one that got up that couldn't handle it. Toughest guy yeah. couldn't handle it. I'm telling you, you're like, you? Out of everybody, you, the smallest guy was the toughest guy. So you don't know this kind of stuff. Okay, when you go into a negotiation room and things really get down, the guy that's like a nice salesy guy, you think he's good, but on the negotiation, he's very nervous. What happened there? Mm -hmm. yeah, so this is the part, hey, since you've had 47 years of politics and I've been doing 50 years of business, I'm Trump, you're Biden, let's see who can handle pressure the most on the spotlight. Let's talk about topics. No one gets involved. That would get me to stick there and so, say, oh my God. Gosh, this was sick. Mm -hmm. Then I can make my decision for myself. I think that'll help the average American to say, um, I can see why they say nothing gets done with you behind closed doors. Yeah, I can't vote for it. I just saw the true colors of you. That's how you find out about who the leaders are. I may be wrong, but that's just my no, thought. I, I actually 10,000% agree with you because behind closed doors, if you're in a negotiating room, you're sitting at the table, you have to be able to interact with somebody. If somebody's, ah, it's like, buddy, listen. Can we have this conversation right here for a second? All you're doing is yelling. Here's what I'm gonna say. Cause that's what is the problem right now with Nancy Pelosi and Steve Mnuchin mm -hmm. and they're behind closed doors. They're trying to get this freaking Let's second see the true stimulus. Colors. Let's see act. it. Exactly. Trying to get a stimulus deal done. Why can't this deal get done? Now they're back to where they were square one four months ago. Ridiculous with the Heroes Act or the Heels Act or is it the CARES Act part two? What's going on behind closed doors? Basically you were what you're saying is let's open the room, let's open the vault. And let's see what actually happens, happens behind closed doors. Therapy session. You ever seen the 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 
um, um, incredible movie based on true stories, uh, a very heartfelt movie, Couples Retreat. You ever seen Couples, <laughs> Retreat? You ever seen couples Super Retreat? Super serious you ever, movie. Very yes, serious of course. movie. Man. You, you ever seen I was <laughs> waiting. I was waiting and I'm like, oh. Gone with the wind. Oh my God. Schindler's <laughs> List. You ever no. seen the part where they say, Singles Island, this is your island, Married Island, John Favreau's asking a question, and then they sit down and they sit with the therapist. Mm -hmm. And they say, so how are things? Perfect. Just perfect. J John Favreau and his wife. How's everything? Very good. Oh, he's a great. So say something good about your uh, husband. He's a great father. Say something good about her. He's a great mother. Say something. And then all of a sudden you saw. Da -da -ba -ba -da 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 -da. And she let him go. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to do that. Let him loose. Man, and like in a, in a, if you, Gotti fought Ward. Gotti was fighting Ward. It's known as one of the greatest boxing matches of all time. Today, referees would have stopped that fight. Mm -hmm. But it became one of the If you want to go watch a fight, like a real fight fight, it's Gotti Ward. Go turn it on and watch it. Bam, bam. Gotti gets down, his ribs, he can't breathe. Nine seconds, gets back up. Bam, bam. Ward gets down, rip, gets back. Let these people fight and let us make a decision for ourselves and step out of the way, moderator. We're putting too much value on a moderator. Half of it moderator driven, the other half, get out of their way, let them fight, let's see what they do. Mm. I think it'll be so entertaining. <laughs> Danielle, do you like that idea? Uh, I would probably be in a different room. You, you don't like cursing. But, but, you don't like, but, you don't like, uh, you don't uh, like people going out and fighting. What don't you like about Pat's idea? Go back and Google George Washington's farewell address, September the 17th, 1896. Danielle, I know that back and forth. Like, come on, that's all exactly. I do is I watch stuff See? like that. Me and Kai in our spare time. Come on. But, You're acting like I don't know. But, but what do, you, okay, do, go ahead. do your history. We, we, I mean, these are men who were at war, who were fighting, spilling blood, fighting for our country. And when you hear... By the way, he's the only landslide times two president. George W. George, George W. Yeah, the other one. The other one. The, the first, original. The first one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when you go and you listen to his speech, you you get the sense that he understood coalition building and he knew what it was to build a team and he knew how important it was to unite the country and to and and, and that if you tear it apart, then you make it weaker. So and 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 I think that that is why you've seen in this particular administration the revolving door going as quickly as it has. You know, he can't keep anybody in office. And I think it's, if, if it's a my way or the highway, then maybe, maybe that's not the right characteristics for somebody to be president. Because you have to build coalitions in order to get things done in Washington. Okay. When you're behind closed doors, if you're just slinging mud and nothing is accomplished, you're, you're, not, you're not making forward progress. You have to actually accomplish things and get things done. And by the way, for everybody, it doesn't. So you're not just working for the people who voted for you. You're working for the entire country. That's mm -hmm. your J-O-B. And it has to be. You have to look out for everybody in the country. So to bring it back to, to Pat's point, you're saying he wants to see what actually happens behind closed doors. You're basically saying. You know, we kind of know what's happening behind we know closed we, doors. There's a lot of mudslinging going on. Actions speak louder than words. Results. Know if we do, though. I don't know if we oh, do. Oh, well, here's what I mean. We, by it. We've heard we're ganging up. Okay. On that. No, no, there no. are. There have been more people who who have stormed out of the Oval Office. Oh, I don't disagree with that. I mean, just, I so you know what's that. going but on what I'm behind saying is, closed but doors. But that's good for for the people that are to to see his sides because we've not seen that before. No, no, I, I I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. But if if nothing is accomplished, then 
again, they're there to do a job. Yeah. They're not there to get press. They're not there to get memes. They're not there to create tweets. They are there to get to do a job that is a duty to the to the world's biggest economy. I'll Period. say this to you. I'll say this to you. Okay, very very good point, but I'll say this to you. Somebody just commented right now saying that uh, Biden interrupted Paul Ryan 82 times in a VP debate back in 2012, which I remember because he was constantly interrupting him. Look, I have a friend of mine, Tom. We go to a baseball game. Score is 2-1. I'm half asleep. He's saying, what a great game. I'm like, what is great about this game? He says, this is an ultimate pitching duel. This is a great pitching duel. I'm like, pitch? I didn't come to watch a pitching duel. I came to see what? Home runs. You want to see I, some steroided out come, dudes knocking it out of the park. I didn't come to see a pitching duel. If you want to see what saved baseball, it was 98. Here's the point. Yeah. Watch this. Danielle, what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to create a format that pleases everybody. What's great yeah. about the format I'm suggesting is the first 90 minutes, we have your attention. The next 90 minutes, you go to sleep. But the next 90 minutes is, you know, the freaks come out at night. The freaks are going to watch the second <laughs> the half come of the out. debate. I said the freaks oh, come the out. First the first half will be the proper. Like, I, I think... Uh, as, 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 what do you guys think as, about this idea, by the way, if you're listening to this? As Go ahead, disappointing as the ratings were, I think people are tuning in next time with popcorn. So I do, because it is, it's going to be pure entertainment. You think so? Uh, let's just take it uh, to where you want to see it. You want to see the second half of the debate, shirts off, gloves on, gloves, Biden, yeah, I, Trump, fighting I, it actually, out. Who wins I, in a real I, street I fight? Not. I think that'd be terrible. Who I, wins in a real street fight, Pat? Who'd win today? Real street fight. Um, Two 70-something-year-old men going at it. Who wins? Who would win the street who, fight? who do you guys think in the audience? I can't see Trump throwing a punch. You just I, I can't, can't see Trump even throwing a punch in a fight? No, I don't see Trump. I see Trump as the guy that he has people that fight for him. I was about to say, no. He can't he, fight for himself. He, no, I would I don't, say he, I don't, he would outsource that. He would outsource. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. And by, by the way, the, uh, uh, you know, yeah, I don't. that's not what I want to see, guys. I'm not asking about uh, whether... You know, I want to see that happen. And what I'm asking about is I want to see your true colors. I want you to talk to one another. Sit down, face each other. You know, one of the best parts in the debate was when the, the last time they were asked, oh, so Hillary, tell us, what's the one thing you respect about Trump the most? I, I think Trump went first. Uh, uh, and as, so, Trump, what do you like about uh, uh, Hillary the most is the fact that she never gives up. She's right. a fighter. Yeah. Hillary, what do you like about Trump the most? His kids. His, you have to give him respect family, for his yeah. kids. He's raised his kids, you know? So, Except for like, Eric, but whatever. That's another topic. He's not bad. I mean, you and Eric would get along. You know, you guys would definitely get along in the Miami. I would get life, along in a, with Ivanka, probably. Yeah. So, but, but the point I'm trying to make to you is there's different audiences. The women won the DNA war, by the way, in that family. Anyways. Agreed. It's actually a good point. So that's all I'm saying. I'm just saying let's but see a different format. Have you seen how tall Baron Trump is? Oh my God! He's seven four. <laughs> he's not seven. He's four, seven. But he's, he's, he's taller. He's taller than seven. How he's tall six, is he? Six seven. He's, he's a, tall, dude. Really tall. Where is the stand? He was about, standing next to Pence. Do we have a picture of that? Yes, Kai can Baron pull that up. Baron standing very next to Pence. I mean, Mini Mike. Yeah, we, we showed that. Mike but you need, like Mike Pence. Mike needed a milk crate. I, 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 I'm, I'm a Midwest kind of a traditional conservative kind of a person. And, gotcha. and so Kai, where's the debate look, stats? My, my first, uh, first time I ever was in Indianapolis oh, Airport, gosh. June 2016. I'm walking through the Indianapolis Airport. I'm taking my boys to the military academy where they attend in Culver, where Pence summers. Hmm. Um, and I see this sign that says, Indiana's got the best pension in the country, you know, fiscal mm -hmm, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And I'm like, you like that. And I'm like, Googling, I'm like, Governor, state of Indiana, who is this guy? And a month later, 
He was he was wow. announced so as pr- the VP. So prior to that, you don't know who he was. Prior to that, I did not know who Pence That's was. That's so interesting. Kai, press play, buddy. Baron's out of the shot. Yeah, you're like his head is out of the shot. You're like, did Pence Mike's really, what five five six? Did five, Pence eight? really stand Kai, up? Where's that thirty five percent stat? I don't see the thirty five percent stat. Uh, I, did you take it out? Oh uh, yeah, I fact checked it, and it was something totally different. Uh, oh, okay, so so let's take a look at this. So Thir- Trump, so so here's some stats for you. Trump Biden clash was watched by at least seventy three million viewers. Yeah, uh, down thirteen percent, I thought. So year the over television year. audience for the debate was down for the first debate. <clears throat> between Trump and Hillary Clinton in 2016, but it was higher almost every other debate in modern history. By almost a- any measure, the audience was massive. Massive. Today's Tuesday's clash was the biggest event on American TV since Super Bowl last February. February. Nielsen said an estimated 73.1 million people watched Tuesday's debate across 16 channels. I mean, you know, it's it, it wasn't a bad uh, uh, showing if you think about how many people showed up to see it. Do you think it's going to be a bigger showing second one? Look, they're saying that voters are more engaged across the, the demographic spectrum than they've been in a very long time. Yeah. I mean, if we don't see high voter turnout, I'll be shocked because of the amount of engagement. I mean, it's, it's what everybody, it's what school children are talking about. I mean, this is, and this is not a bad thing, by the way. We, I mean, it, they did a quiz every year on Constitution Day, which is my birthday. They they do a quiz. They ask Americans if if they can name the the five rights in the First Amendment, and if they can name the three branches of of the government. And this year was the best showing that they've had ever. So in other words, people are really paying attention to America, and that is awesome. I mean, if you've got people engaged and and studying our history, studying our Constitution. That is a great thing. I mean, you know, knowledge is power, period, end. And as long as we stay smart, we're going to stay the big superpower in the world, period. You know who we have to thank for that? George, Trump. George W.? I think oh, Trump. Sorry. <laughs> we, we, owe, we do owe it to Trump for awakening people to say, hold on, what's going on here? Whether you like him or don't like him, right. he's awoken people. And, would you, you know, agree or no? And, and, and I would say to his— No? You disagree? To his credit, I would say that you're never going to be able to put China— the China genie back in the bottle. I don't think that there will ever be less scrutiny, no matter who's in the White House. I think that all Americans now place China in a different place in their minds, and I think that that credit goes to Donald Trump. For China. And you think that's a good thing? Well, I do. To walk around and say, oh, we know they've been stealing for years and be kind of, okay, fine, agnostic about it, that's not okay. And I think that that is the, the bright light that he has shown on this situation is to say, this is national security. This is our identity. These people are, they want to steal from us. It's not acceptable. He's bullying the bully. China's been bullying U.S. realistically for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean you got to plot him for it. You got to plot him for it to see what's going on. So, let, let's talk a little bit business. Let's talk a little bit business. So, Harley Davidson's leaving India, world's largest motorcycle market. Yeah, I don't get that. It's that's the, it's, a little confusing. That's a, a, it's a demographic dream. Yeah. They're young people coming up. According to figures uh, by the Society of Indian Automobile Manufacturers, Harley sold a mere 103 units in July and 176 last month. There were rumors that Harley-Davidson was planning to partner with a local company, as KTM and Triumph have done, but it has now opted out to leave the market altogether. Hmm. Maybe Indians don't like Harley. I don't know. What is it? Competition. Competition in India? Honda, Yamaha. Potholes so big. But Harley's got a different audience. It's more expensive than those other brands. It is more expensive, expensive. but it's Harley. 
When you I don't think Hardy, it has the, sta- the same stature to- or stigma like the in rebels, India you don't think that rebel? it does have it in America. You don't think there, there are rebels in India? You don't When's think the last time you saw an Indian guy that's like, get on the back of my heart, Patrick, buddy. Come on. They're, Come they're, on, buddy. I just, wrong accent. You know what accent. they don't have that's in India? Point. Get on the back of my heart. Come on. Let's go, baby. That I don't see it. That was not politically correct. I, Danielle, this is not called politically so correct. So what they don't, what, you guys are missing something fundamental. You've got a geeky economist in here. What India does not have is highways. Hmm. They don't have highways. They got potholes. No, no, they literally, their infrastructure is in the, I mean, American companies that are there are going to make a flipping mm-hmm. fortune because compared to China, they don't have highways. They don't have a freeway system. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody's going to have to come in and invent that. And I mean, you think yeah. about Harleys on the open road going through the Mojave Desert with the wind flying through your hair. Man, that's not happening. You're stuck in traffic. I was so, there and I got to tell you, they are some of the most reckless, safe drivers I've seen in my life. And reckless, I don't know how you safe, reckless safe drivers. Yes. That's, that's like that's New York. exactly a word because yeah. they drive so close yeah. to each other. And you're thinking the entire time you're thinking you're about to crash. Yeah. Everything's okay. It's under control. Yeah. That's like driving in a, with a New York taxi cab. Yeah. I was going to say New York, New York taxi cab drivers. They are, times worse. Yeah, but tell me, and Indian ha, drivers. Have you ever seen an accident? No, no. A New York taxi, taxi cab driver in an same. accident? No. Same. They're in incredible. Yeah. So reckless and safe at the same time. It's safe, yeah. reckless and safe at the same time. So it's an layoffs. Here, let's, let's talk about layoffs. KPMG, Allstate, and Goldman Sachs. Big layoffs. KPMG laid off 1,400 employees. Its latest firm in professional services industry has reduced headcount because of coronavirus pandemic. Allstate, one of U.S. largest insurers, has uh, says plans to lay off 3,800 employees. The layoff represents about 8% of insurance, approximately 46,000 employees. So 46,000, 3,800 is going to be gone. Of the job cuts, about 1,000 are tied to the company's pandemic-related fund to policyholders. Allstate Chief Executive Thomas Wilson said in an interview, Goldman Sachs, Bloomberg News, which first reported about the layoffs, said the bank was looking to cut 400 jobs, roughly 1% of its workforce, citing people familiar with the matter. And in Disney, 28,000 people have been let go while Disney has announced it will lay off 20,000 people at their theme parks. The layoff applied to domestic employees, of which about 67% are part-time. part-time. So what, yep. what do you think is going on there? So the, the part, I mean, no insensitivity. But the part-time workers don't move the economic needle as much as the high-end workers do. It, it, the, the, the problem that we're seeing, we, we, we got fresh layoff data this morning from Challenger Gray that they track, they track aggregate layoff announcements throughout the country. 2.1 million layoffs announced so far this year, and that is higher than any year in U.S. history, including 2001 was the, was, was the prior high. The problem that they're seeing, the problem that I'm seeing, is that, is that layoffs are going up the income ladder. The top two quintiles, the top 40% of earners in America account for 61% of spending. Can you say that one more time? The top two quintiles, the top 40% of earners in America who make the most account for 61% of consumption. And our economy is consumption-driven. It's yep. two-thirds consumption. Yep. If, you, if you want to think about it differently, they account for 42% of U.S. GDP. That's a lot of money. So when you see white-collar layoffs, there is a trickle-down effect, but not in a good way. Because the small businesses that rely on them, the dry cleaners, the restaurants, they're the ones who start to suffer if the biggest spenders lose their jobs. What's your solution, Danielle? You, I mean, you're an economist. What's what's going on here? What's the look? There is it more stimulus. What, what is it? Yes, on more stimulus, but for God's sake, get something out of it. I mean, so I'm look. At least the Chinese get something for their money. 
I mean, they've got high-speed rails. You know, we, we've got potholes that would swallow a small car. Mm-hmm. We can't even agree. Think of all the oil field workers who are out of a job. Their skills are transferable. They can repair the bridges. They can repair the tunnels. You can put them to work immediately. The Corps of Engineers has got trillions and trillions of dollars of repairs to do. Do job skill training. In Germany, they did job skill training starting in, after the financial crisis. They came in and they said, you know what? If, if they can't work in the old industry, then we're going to re- retrain them for the new industry. Their youth unemployment is in the single digits, unlike the rest of Europe, which is a cesspool of very high youth unemployment. Give people a, a way to make a living. People don't want to have money thrown at them. But we need a return on the investment for the money that uh, for the taxpayer money that's being spent. Otherwise, you're just going to put another Band-Aid on it. And, and you know, business travel is not coming back anytime soon. And yet we're going to bail the airlines out again, dot, dot, dot. And we're going to throw money at people to not work. That is not the way America was designed to be. People, they have integrity in, 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 their, in their work ethic. So help them find a way to earn an income for their families, period. Pay them to work, not to stay home. Yes. Okay. Or train them if, if they don't have the, the adequate skills. Fine, whatever. What about infrastructure? You alluded to that initially. No, I mean, we, we have we easily have $4 trillion of infrastructure spending that, that we could tend to. And think about it. Think If you start repairing all the infrastructure around the country, mm-hmm. you're shortening somebody's commute time in the future. You're making people's way of life a lot easier in the future. And you're also making sure that other countries like China that have built up world-class infrastructure aren't going to cook our goose one day. So 64% of people say the economy is worse than it was a year ago. Well, no kidding. 76% of Democrats say the economy is worse. Only 50% of Republicans say the economy is worse. And there's been a debate about a K-shaped recovery, the kind of recession uh, is characterized by the fortunes of workers that go into one or two directions. The first segment of the population has its prospects recover from a downturn almost immediately, and another suffers much longer. The differences between the rich and the poor. Do you think the wealth gap is getting wider during the coronavirus? Did this thing make it wider or not at all? Without a, doubt. That's yeah. where, Without a doubt. That's okay. where Jay Powell and his happy printing press come in. So the biggest companies have been bailed out, uh, companies that should have gone out of business. It's called creative destruction. You get rid of the unprofitable, inefficient operators. You make room for the new entrants. It's the way productivity grows. But we we haven't done that. Instead, we've kept all the businesses that are big and have access to the capital markets, access to high-yield bonds, junk bonds. We've kept all of them in business. He's kept the stock market at all-time highs so that the wealth that the 55% of Americans who own stocks, they're feeling awesome. And he's also bought up a third of mortgages. He owns a third of the mortgage market. That goes a long way towards giving you a 2.96% 30-year conventional mortgage rate. So Americans who have built up record levels of equity in their homes have pulled $100 billion out in home equity in the past six months alone, and it's September 30. $100 billion of cash. So if you own a home and if you own stocks, you're feeling awesome. You are living the dream. If you don't, you have a whole different perspective on life in America. Hmm. That's what they talk about, this K-shaped That's recovery, the K. right? So initially they were talking about, oh, it's going to be a V-shaped recovery, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna, to— Well, for the top, it's, it's the top of the K. Gonna, it is a V. Okay. And for the bottom, Ooh, it's, it's I not. See. You took the K and you put it into a V. That's good. That's like the thing. That. No, the, 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 I, I top, the top Industry. of the K. Some industries do well. Some right. people well, do they, well. The yeah. other ones don't. Well, they were throwing oh, out different. The top letters. of the K applies to the halves. They were also and the yeah. talking about a, a U-shaped 
recovery, right? It was going to take a bit longer. Then I was yep. talking about worst case scenario was an L-shaped recovery, if right? We, if we, if we I don't, don't, I don't know if it's a haves and haves nots. I think it's industry. No, but if, if, if again, 55% of Americans own stocks. So the other 45% are not enjoying the fruits of stocks being at all-time So what's highs. the solution? What's the solution if the other 45% are not? Again, we have to enable people to live the dream. You're an entrepreneur. Right. You've brought lots of young employees on in your time. I did, but 95% oh. of them quit. <laughs> well, we're I, can't, I can't do... Um, what I, what we're I'm, surrounded by young people who have succeeded. What I'm saying is on the sales side. No, no, what I'm saying on the sales side. So here's a challenge. So, so let's talk about it. Pareto theory. Are you familiar with the Pareto theory? Mm-mm. The Pareto theory is that 80% of the work is going to get done by 20% of the oh, people. Well, they, well, this is not a new the thing, 80-20 right? rule. 80-20 yeah. rule applies in sports. If you Yesterday, St- uh, 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 Davis scored 34 points. And, you know, he, he's the guy that's scoring the most points, LeBron James' teammate ever, 28.8 right. points a game. No one's ever – okay. You know, 80% of points were scored by 20% of the guys pretty right. much. If you look at that number, it's not the – you know, you see the few producing the most. So then the, the challenge with this concept of the rich getting richer, the poor getting poor, mm-hmm. I have a challenge with that. And here's my challenge with that. If, if the challenge is to crucify the guys that made the right decision to invest and the guys didn't, why are we saying the guys that m- are making money are bad people? They're making money because now, they stayed in the market. They're not bad people, but the people who don't own stocks, surely they, they don't have they're, – they're getting by on credit cards. They don't have any money to invest. I, I know what it is to be in that situation. My dad was a cashier at a 99-cent store. I mean, I parents got a divorce. I was 49K in debt at 22 years old. I get it. I had the option to go to Vegas right. every other weekend and party, or I had the option to save money. I hated saving money. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think that the 80-20 rule applied a few generations ago? Or do you think something has happened to the work ethic because we've given a generation of children? You know, you know oh, this. I'm, sorry, soy boy. But that, <laughs> that, we've, that we've given an entire generation of children. I'm just glad you referred to me no, as a children. I, I Everything that they want. Young Time Magazine did an article uh, six years ago titled, you know, how uh, millennials are becoming narcissists, right? All they care about is themselves and all this other stuff. And you read the article, it says, oh, millennials are this, millennials are that. They want to take pictures of themselves. They think they're so important. They think they're this. They think they're that. You know how the article ended? The article ended, if, or, here's how it says, the article says, or, if we are the ones that are making fun of millennials for only thinking about themselves, maybe we're just getting older and we forgot how we used to be. So what I'm trying to say is that story about when I was younger, I was growing going to school and it was snowing and it was a mountain both ways. You know, this whole yep. story you hear about I the people. It's so hard. Yeah. So, so I hate. think times have been hard. I think obviously it's been harder than what it is today. Today right. is easier than it's ever been before. They had their coming of age in the middle of a financial crisis. I mean, I do think it's easier to be today fair. ever before to make money, even in sales. Like I'll give you an example. Instagram. If I want to find leads today, I can send 100 DMs a day to network with people. 40 years ago, if I'm in sales, I'm doing real estate, I have to have quarters in my car. And if I'm driving yeah. an hour to a person's home and they don't pick up and it's raining, I got to find a local you know, a phone booth and wait for somebody to finish their call Easier to put a quarter. Ever. Yeah, I mean, it's a joke today Look, to make money. I, I've got news for you. The generation behind the millennials, my experience, the interns we've had, they are work horses. Gen Z. Gen Z. Yeah, they kick they ass. Work they work and work and work, and they're serious about it. They save money. They're 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 just they have a different mindset. And I'm not too worried about this country's future. I'm not 
because I know that there's an entire generation coming up that has that that will weather and withstand as long as, long as they're not trading day trading. Yeah. Um, but there's mm-hmm. another generation that that does have a good old fashioned work ethic, and I'm I'm hopeful. Yeah, what's the 80-20 uh, concept? Preto. Preto theory. Preto, P-R-E-D-O. Preto, I think. Is it a T or a D? Okay, I don't Preto, whatever. Those, yeah. The 80-20 rule. What, I, you, you well, that's to, right. Pareto. 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 Theory. The Pareto theory. theory. Okay. 80-20, right. So here's where I'm going with this. Yeah. Um, we all have decisions to make. Kind we all have 24 hours, right? We're all going to sleep, you know, six to eight hours. Some sleep four. Some yep. sleep eight. Some sleep ten. But what are you doing with the you know, the rest of your day? Some people choose to spend their mornings on a with us on a podcast, mm-hmm. learning, getting smarter. Yep. Some people are reading. Some people at night. Kai reads ten books a day. Some people do that. Some people in their spare time choose to slack off. You know, smoke weed, play video games, BS. You know, it's also about what you do with your time. So there's, I'm sure, a correlation with the 55% who are investing in America, who are reading or watching podcasts like this, versus the person who does their nine to five, they get off, they get their paycheck, you know, they smoke a joint, they sit at home, they do nothing, they play video games, they don't work out. There has to be a correlation with that. But I think the coronavirus is going to end that. I really do. It's going to end what? The what? I think the coronavirus is going to change the way work is approached. I don't think the nine to fivers got too long of a life expectancy in the workforce. I think that the coronavirus has expedited automation, like put it into hyperdrive. Mm -hmm. So, I I mean, it's living through a a true Very powerful what you just said, by the way. Did you hear what you just said? So, so, so you're saying the nine to fiver is not going to have a long lifespan, and what coronavirus did, automation is going to expedite that process. Look, if you're Joe Q, human resources manager, and you've got all these people working remotely right now, yeah. all you have to do is pull pull up a spreadsheet, and you just look at their numbers, and you're like, this person's productive. Oh, I always thought this person was a slacker. Out. Look, they are, and it's objective. Yep. And you just go delete. Ooh. And that's what, but but now we see, I mean, you know, if, if a working mother yeah. who's got three kids doing three, you know, three different grades doing, you know, different curriculums and she can still produce, because who knows if she's up at two o'clock in the morning when everybody, when everything finally settles down. But all I'm saying is that this is going to be something that separates the wheat from the chaff. I almost said something different, but, yeah. but, but. And it will be a game changer in how the workforce itself evolves into its new self. Small businesses in America used to employ lots of people, human capital. Now people don't want to interact as much with humans. So even small businesses are automating. So it is time to realize, I'm back on my China soapbox, it is time to realize that they're inventing the next generation of technology and we need to get busy and make sure that we are in front of them. I, I agree, and I want to continue this topic, but I want to give a shout out to a couple of people. We have one guy up there, I think his name was Boris, he gave $5 to say Trump's gonna win it by a landslide, and we just have Razvan Ionotos gave $50, I believe. Hi, Pat, former international arm wrestling champion from Romania. Just so you know, I will take you down. I'm a pretty good arm wrestler. I will take <laughs> you down, you arm wrestler, you. Computer science started out, failed two tech startups. I want to work for Vitam and how do we make this happen? Okay, so you can send an email and we'll, we're always taking resumes. But let me get back to this. Let me get back to this. So, yeah, I read a story one time, and here's what the story was. It's, it's, a, it's a very interesting story. i got to tell you this. So this uh, uh, king finds out that this one guy who lives in his community dated his daughter. 
okay? And he's not happy about it, okay? Because if you're going to date his daughter, you got to marry his daughter. He's a king. How dare you touch his daughter? So she's a princess. Yes. So this guy goes and starts telling everybody, look, I know the day the king's going to die. He starts telling everybody. I'm telling you guys, I had a message that came from God, and I know exactly when the king is going to die. Everybody starts asking, when is he going to die? When is he going to die? He says, if you, want it, if you want me to tell you when the king's going to die, take me to the king. So they take him to the king. And the king is furious that this guy messed around with his daughter. Mm-hmm. So they ask him, they said, I hear you know when I'm going to die. He says, I know exactly when you're going to die. When am I going to die? A day after I die. So he says, what happened? He says, you will die the day after I die. I got that calling from God. Now, it's not the truth. He's just telling this to the king. Yeah. So the king was thinking about executing this guy that messed around with his daughter. <laughs> now he's sitting there saying, there you damn go. it, if I kill this guy, I'm dying the next day. This guy's got to live as long as possible. That's a he then got a place in the palace and lived with the king. I love it. Now, whether this is a true story or not, hey. it is what it is. It's a wonderful story. Yeah. CYA. What is, what is the moral of the story? Here's the moral of the story. Um... When you were younger and you were going out partying with your friends, you always had that one friend that was a good fighter. Maybe he wasn't the best looking guy, but he was a good fighter. And he was maybe annoying, but you knew if a fight broke down, broke out, he's going to brawl and protect you. Mm-hmm. Well, if, you were, if it's Friday night, you think about going to the party, you go into someone's place, you're like, shit, I don't know if I want to invite him or not. You're like, I'm going to invite him because if something happens, I'm just glad he's on my All team. Right. Okay. Yeah. Then you had the one friend that was very good at going to the club, and he would go walk to the girls at the bar and say, hey, ladies, how are you? Look, I see you guys are here with some friends. I got some friends here. Can I introduce them? Let's go. Maybe we can have a drink. Come on. There was a one friend that was very good at going, and like somebody yeah. like you, very good at going and saying, hey, come on down. You know, let's, let me introduce the you to my friend. The ultimate wingman. So the ultimate wingman, let's right? Let's be friends. Guess what? Yeah, and the point is, you always wanted to go out with that guy. Then do you had the one friend that had the connections at the bar, and the bartender was his best friend. He can get drinks on the house. You always wanted to have that one person go to the club with you, right? Party with you. This is for the people that were in that scene. The point is, every one of those people locked in their position for Friday night to go out. The fighter, the connector, and the one that knew how to talk to the girls. They're, they're going to be invited to every party. Mm-hmm. They're going to be invited. I think people today have to really take a close look. And rather than saying the rich are getting richer and this is not fair and all this other stuff, you better find a way to make yourself irreplaceable today in the marketplace. If you don't find a way to create new skill sets, improve, get better, the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years are going to be very, very scary and hard for you and your family. I fully agree with what you just said. And it's going to expedite the process because the stock, Morning Brew sends an email out. Shout out to Morning Brew. They send an email out and they say, here's the companies that are doing good Q3, that did good Q3. And it showed the fact that I think... Uh, Fiverr was number two. Zoom, Zoom was up 88% in their stock. Oh, yeah. If you can pull that up, yep. Zoom was up 88%. Fiverr was on that list. And on the bottom, who was down, you were looking at this like, ooh, these are kind of tough places to be. Moral of the story is there's never, ever been an easier time to make money. There's never, ever been an easier time to get in front of decision makers. There's never, ever been an easier time to sell. There's never, ever been an easier time to become wealthy. There's never, ever been an easier time to create wealth for you and your family. Yet at the same time, 
if you smoke weed and you party and you kick back and you relax and you don't read the books and you Netflix and chill 24-7, you go to every single party everybody invites you, when you come home from work, rather than reading the book, you sit there and watch a new Netflix series that you connected to on episode number 93. I have watched every show of whatever, whatever show, and you brag about it at work the next day. There's a reason why you're broken. Quite frankly, I don't feel bad for you because you've been sucked in by the entertainment. I don't wake up in the morning saying, oh, my God, I had a call this morning with one of my guys. And we had a very, very good conversation together. Okay, very, very good conversation together. And I told him, I said, look, you have to realize a couple of things, man. You, you, we have paid you a lot of money this year. You've made a lot of money. Your family's taken care of. You've done a great things for your life. You've done a great things for your family. I said, but it's coming down to a point in your life right now where people need to stop motivating you. I said, I understand at some point someone's got to motivate you. I understand at some point someone's got to get you going. But eventually... The motivator needs to learn to become self-motivated. Sure. I have no problem motivating somebody, but my ultimate outcome of motivating you is to eventually no longer need to motivate you because the goal is for you to eventually be self-motivated. Self so you say, I don't need this message anymore. Now it's about direction. First comes motivation, then comes direction, then comes execution. If the American people had five months where stimulus income is coming your way, whatever the timeline was, you had the ability to take a master class, learn a skill set, go learn negotiation. If you had the time to improve yourself and you didn't and you're unemployed, I'm sorry. Yep. Five months of a break was given to you to improve yourself. You didn't. It's nobody's and fault. I don't feel bad for totally you. And now we're talking about another yeah. couple trillion to throw at the same problem. So, the, again, the yeah, return I, for I, taxpayers I, is not... All you have to do is, is is be in front of a plumber or an electrician or if your air conditioner breaks and just, you know, see what you've got to pay this guy to walk through your front door. Okay, hi. And he's, what, 40, 50 years old? Clearly, there are jobs to be had in the world. There's an exodus to the exurbs and the suburbs and people are buying more homes. This is low-hanging fruit, people. I mean, we, we need we do need more vocational training in this country, but there are also ways that you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and learn the skill yourself. And if you're seeing people make money, then that means that that's a good place to be, period. And, it, and by the way, fixing your air conditioning is not automated. Fixing your commode is not automated. So just think about things that are going to be recession-proof in the future. And talk, go there. I talked to Pablos Holman. Is it Holman? Did Holman, I say? Yeah. Pablos Holman. I don't know if you know who Pablos Holman is. He's one of the greatest hackers of our generation. He's got a video on uh, YouTube, TEDx, I think 23 million views. And he's one of the biggest YouTube uh, uh, TEDx speakers uh, when he gave the talk. He, he would sit here right now. Within five minutes, he has all your passwords on your phone, all the passwords on your phone. That's what he does for a living. He's that good. He says he would go to Starbucks and sit around and just find people's passwords. That's what he did for a living. He's a professional hacker. Mm -hmm. He was a number three employee at, is it Blue Origin, the first SpaceX? Blue Origin, yeah. Blue Origin, which is a company started by Amazon to go to the moon. He was a number three employee, and he's directly worked with Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates. Okay? Look what he said. He said something very interesting. Here's a hacker. Hackers are very weird. They're very different. You ask him a question and say, did you go to college? And how come you didn't go to college? He says, you don't know what hackers are? Hackers get kicked out of college. We don't get to go to college. Colleges don't want us to go to college because all we do is mess with their systems. Hmm. So colleges want us out of college. Like, yep. don't come over here because we're so curious. We want to get into a system and figure stuff out. So no, hackers don't go to college. I said, okay. He says, do you realize the last, uh, uh, the last 200 years, how many jobs mankind has created? Last 200 years. It's a very interesting stat. 
Last 200 years, how many jobs has man created? For example, changing tires, it's a job. How many people do it? 10,000 people, but it's one job, okay? Mm -hmm. Customer service, it's a job. How many people do it? Tens of millions, but it's one job, right? How many jobs do you think man has created the last 200 years? How many professions? How many professions? Okay. Mm. Jobs where you can make five bucks an hour, 10 bucks an hour, millions of dollars per year. How many different jobs? My gut is telling me less than you would think. It's actually a much bigger number. Really? And it's not profession because profession would be financial advisor, realtor, you know, uh, mortgage, uh, ex. It's jobs. It's occupation. Occupation. Okay. It's occupation. Not jobs. I go, occupation. I go move a box from here. To, I'm a mover. I'm a trash. I'm a cleaner. I'm just, how many jobs do you think we've created in the last 200 years? Like, look right here, okay? Look what's happening here. What, what would you say you do yourself here? Would you say you're an editor? What, what, do, you, what do you do yourself here? Technical director. Technical, Eric, what do you do yourself? Social media coordinator. Social media guy, what do you do yourself? Researcher, social media? Okay, so that's four different, right? Mm -hmm. Five, six, seven. So there's seven research. You got like five jobs. You don't have one job, <laughs> right? You have a lot of jobs yep. that you do. But there's, yeah. there's been many jobs. What do you think that number's last 200 years? God, it would have to be in the thousands. It's a crazy number. Do you want to guess or are you afraid? No, I mean, uh, 200 years. How many I mean, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a... 100,000. A three billion jobs. Three what? billion different jobs. Three billion occupations. Occupations. Occup types of jobs. Yes. Wow. Three billion different ways well, to make money years. last 200 I mean, years. They're used, I mean, the railroads had to get built, so there were a million, you know, little... That's the point. Occupations. Three billion, billion different As we kinds of jobs. So he's sitting here. And by the way, just so you know, he's a team Bill Gates vaccine. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's a team. 100% of people in the world got to take a vaccine. He's a team. Trump is, uh, you know, not the brightest guy in the world. He's a team. I'm just giving you the team he's, he's a part of. He's not the team of. And then he still says, look, I'm telling you right now. Human, mankind, if it's created 3 billion jobs the last 200 years, it's going to create many more jobs. Yeah. So man, woman, we have to be creative to see how we can increase our market value. Mm -hmm. That's what we got to do. And you know what? There's no borders anymore. That's There's something a wall, though. We are, we are building a wall. Well, uh, not going there. Um, <laughs> not going there. But there are no borders. The wall is going to keep if, the corona. If you out, want, if you want the best editor in the world, I mean, mm. that's another thing the coronavirus right has taught He's us. Right there. He's right there, or, or he might be <laughs> three thousand miles away, or he might be halfway around the world. The same situation applies to U.S. workers. You can be found. I mean, there are people who've got hundreds of you know entire workforces in India, and you know, highly productive. What's to say that? that we cannot be the next generation. But again, workers, I think, are border free at this point. You can be anywhere in the world and work for anyone in the world, in the world of tomorrow. I, I, I totally agree. You know how, how I kind of learned about that? When we started creating content, I didn't think much about it. I'm like, let me just create content. And I got an email from a guy in Lagos. I'm like, huh, I don't know anybody in Lagos. I just want you to know I follow your content. I'm like, we don't have that many subscribers. We got a couple hundred subscribers. You watch my content, okay? My own mother doesn't watch my content. You watch my content, it's pretty impressive, right? Then all of a sudden, we started seeing more. Then all of a sudden, you're walking in the airport and UK guy stops you. Then we're in Perth, Croatia, out of all the places, and I'm having a coffee. This husband and wife is going crazy. I'm like, we're not that big yet, right? 
Then, all of a sudden, we put a vault conference together last year, a year and a half ago, whatever the time, a year and a half ago. People show up from, uh, 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 I don't know what the countries was, 42 different countries they showed up. 42 different, you flew all the way from Philippines? I had no idea. At yep. first. Then, uh, Philippines comes out with an article saying, the top entrepreneurs in the world to follow. Entrepreneur Magazine Philippines. I was ranked ahead of Oprah Winfrey in <laughs> Philippines. I've never been to Philippines. Never been to Philippines. But on that list, this the market is changed fully with social media. If you want to be able to make money, if you want to be able to change your life, if you want to be able to do any of that stuff, if there's ever been a time for you to be able to do it, it's today to do it. We have three different stories at this table, okay? Everybody at this table is doing okay. You, you, you had a way to turn around your story with what you grew up to, what you ended up doing. Mm -hmm. You were going to comedian route, party route, all this other stuff. All of a sudden, one day you're like, listen, I'm going to get serious about business. You go into life settlement, change your business, boom. Look where you are right now. You get to do what You're living a dream is what I told you yesterday. You know, you're able to come in. I'm with, here with DDB. DDB, You know, you have your story of where you're at right now, TV. People know the name. You're an expert. Mm -hmm. Nine years, Federal Reserve. You've done all this other stuff. Billionaires subscribe to your content. And I started at you, a community college. How awesome is that? Wow. So, so the the point is, you know, you. I didn't even graduate from community college. He got kicked out. He's a hacker. <laughs> I got to tell you, I got VPN on my phone I and on my too. laptop. Yeah. You cannot have my wow, password. Wow, that's a shout out for VPN. Shout out that's to ExpressVPN. Yeah. <laughs> Amy, so good. <laughs> by, by the way, if you're watching this and you enjoyed this, we're in the first half of the uh, uh, podcast here. Put a thumbs up and share this and comment below if you're watching this. We're going to keep going uh, to the second half of this. So let's talk about a little bit about uh, home sales. I know you hmm. briefly touched up on it. If you don't mind going a little bit deeper into it, pending home sales hits record high in August. Keyword, yep. pending. pending. Pending home sales. The National Association of Realtors Pending Home Sales Index surged 8.8% last month on an all-time high of 132.8, signaling the U.S. housing market rally continued into the fall. Economists surveyed by Bloomberg expect an increase of 3.1%. What is happening in real estate? Well, so you have a once-in-a-lifetime situation here, right? Think about where we were a year ago. If you were hip, if you were a millennial, you wanted to be in the urban center, you wanted to be in a high-rise, you, you were wondering why there weren't enough grocery stores and things to serve you if you're living, living the life downtown. All of these, um, think about the cranes throughout America, all what the cranes have been building. Big high-rise office buildings, big high-rise apartments. That has been flipped on its head. Mm. So, I mean, I, and all over my Twitter feed are people leaving California and moving to Prosper and moving to South Lake and that they've discovered, you know, life in Texas. But, but we have a mass exodus right now. I have friends outside of New York City in, in Westchester County that have been trying to sell their house for two years. And they took it off the market when they saw how white hot the housing, how quickly housing was heating up as people were leaving New York City. And they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my house off the market. I'm going to wait until prices get where I really want them to be. And they were smart. And then they got the price that they wanted. That is the fundamental driver. Behind that is Jay Powell and his happy printing press and the Federal Reserve buying up mortgage-backed securities, forcing 30-year conventional mortgage rates down to record lows. So then the, that, then does the question becomes, is it fake or is it real? Is, uh, this, fake, is this fake growth? It is, it, it is not the same growth that you think that it is because lenders are, you're starting to hear anecdotes from real estate agents 
I got the offer, I got the buyer, the seller accepted, the bank turned them down. So lending standards are coming down. If you talk about Capital One, Synchrony, JP Morgan, just credit card lines are being cut. Because remember, right now, you have 12 months of forbearance. Forbearance means that you do not have to pay your mortgage for 12 months through March of 2021. So, I mean, if you're, if you're the lender, you're not happy at all. Or if you're a landlord in America, you're not happy at all. But from the perspective of we're 64% of Americans think that the economy is worse today than it was a year ago, you look at the housing market and you're like, the housing market begs to differ. Well, that's easy enough when 15% of FHA loans, and FHA loans are the ones that you get 3.5% down payments on, and that business is blowing up. It's huge. It's white hot. But 15% of those loans are delinquent. But the banks can't foreclose. So hmm. you've got buyers buying into a white, 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 hot market, but a lot of it is being engineered and fabricated. So I'm a big fan of renting, right? So I'm, a, I'm that person that lives in the center of downtown Miami. Like, I don't even have a car. I'm not looking to move into the suburbs. That was my life kids. in New York. Okay, so you understand that. So my friends in New York, obviously, if you live in L.A., you're driving all over. Pat's, I went with Pat in L.A. We're driving over every different, different, different city. It's hard to do that in L.A., living in a city center. But if you're living in downtown Chicago, downtown Boston, yep. downtown Miami, uh, even in Dallas over here, you know, I'm a fan of renting. So, I mean, I actually did an episode where 44% of homeowners regret being a homeowner and oh. 63% of millennials Regret, regret being a homeowner. So people are seeing these super, super, super low interest rates versus what they were 10, 20, 30 years ago when interest rates were double digits. And people say, of course I need to get into the housing market. Of course I need to refinance. Yeah, of course I need the, to do this. Yeah, but they're looking at the tiny box of what the payment is. That's all they're looking at. And you're saying that it could end ugly. I'm saying that a lot of, especially a lot of, of the first-time home buyers who are getting into the market, they don't, they don't understand that, they're, that, that home prices have never been this high in the mm -hmm. history of mankind. They don't know that they're buying in at the top of the market. Home prices have never been this high and interest rates have never been this low. Correct. So what's the, what's the, what's that? Uh, That's the correlation. Yeah. When interest rates are low, home prices are high. When interest rates and are yet high, you're hearing the National Association of Realtors yeah. say, well, pricing's becoming an issue. Even with interest mm -hmm. rates as low as they are, even with mortgage that's rates as low as they thought. are, that's a scary thought. That that's the part when it becomes scary. Look, you know, it, it's, you're a bodybuilder. When you no longer are growing and you're doing every single steroids and growth hormone in the body, there's a problem there. That's <laughs> kind of Paul Schreiner. That's what's going on. <laughs> that's kind of what's going on today. Meaning, you're doing every single thing to get the economy and real estate going, and it's still barely hanging on. And Powell mm -hmm. comes out saying they're going to keep the interest rates at zero till 2023. Forever. Till 2023. Well, yeah, it's a scary thought. In his press conference, he said that they kept interest rates at zero for seven years last time, and nothing bad happened. Well, no, nothing bad happened because he came and printed more. So, the, mm. I mean, look, we're talking about another $2 trillion of stimulus. But if, again, if you're throwing good money after bad and you're not getting anything for it, all you're going to do is four months from now, we're going to be talking about the next stimulus package hmm. and, Danielle, how, and how I, big it's going to be. Can I ask you a question? I just want, because you worked with the Dallas Fed, mm -hmm. right? So I, I kind of want to get your opinion. We've got um, Jerome Powell right now running the Fed. Prior to him, we had Janet Yellen. Prior to that, it was Bernanke. Prior to that, that, it was that? Alan Greenspan, And yeah. then prior to that was uh, my uncle Alan Greenspan, right. So 
who do you think did a good job? Who's doing a horrible job? Who do you agree with? Who do you disagree with? What are your thoughts on just the Fed overall, you, you, you United gotta, States you, Fed? You got to go back one more. You got to go back to Paul Volcker. Paul, my guy. Okay, tell no. me why. Because he he didn't care what the stock market did. He cared about the economy okay. and making sure that monetary policy was designed so that the U.S. economy could be resilient. Alan Greenspan came in and... A few days into office, the stock market crashes in 1987. Mm -hmm. He's got an obsession, a self-admitted obsession with the stock market. market. So he starts to manipulate the market so that no matter Mm. what happens, prices don't fall. But that's not life. Life is you take risks and there are consequences. But you've had four people in a row. Starting with Greenspan, Bernanke, Yellen, now Powell, who are trying to make sure that they just hold it together. But how much better off would we be if one in every five U.S. companies was not what we call a zombie? Mm. It's like Night of the Walking Dead. One in five U.S. companies. And they're being kept alive but just based on free money being out there. Do you want these companies to fail, these big companies? I, I do. You know okay. what? And next next year's innovators want these companies to fail. Because if you don't take the bad capacity out of the system, there's no room for the new entrants. That's how you get regenerative growth, is you get the people who are I badass, business workers. You, I fully agree. You have to do that. And we've now we've got one in five U.S. companies wow. who are just, they don't have, they don't make enough money to cover what they have to spend to cover their interest on the debt they have. That's what a zombie is. It's pretty simple. What say you, PBD? I totally agree with her. I mean, it's that simple. You you have to have these big guys. This too big to fail is typically how many companies? Is it seven of them? It's the five to seven names oh, that you, they you say? Mean the, the major mon- banks or something? No, no, no. no when he's you talking make about the it mon- on the too big to fail, like they'll say yeah. there's these seven companies that are too big to fail. We cannot mm-hmm. let them fail, yeah. right? And they'll talk about that. And it's typically five, seven companies. And they'll say, oh, this company is officially added in the list of too big to fail companies, oh, right? Wow. We, we cannot prevent them yeah. from going out of business. And it's worth than it was and more concentrated than it was going so into 08. other than those top seven, as you say, yeah. if you're just a massive company and you are a zombie company, as Danielle refers to, if you're mis- you should fail. If you're not, of course you of course, should right. fail. Yeah, of co- That's the, the, what capitalism the, is. The, right, the, right, right, right. Remember, the freedom to buy, mm-hmm. the freedom to sell, the freedom to try, the freedom to fail. Okay? That's the system. That's capitalism. Freedom to buy. You have the freedom to buy whatever you want to buy. You have the freedom to sell. Sell whatever you want to sell. You have the freedom to try. Go for it. Try something. But you also should have the freedom to fail. We've taken the fourth one out. That's Mm -hmm. a big problem. It's a huge problem. You got to be able to fail. If every single time I'm playing offense and you're not letting me fail... I'm spoiled. Yeah. Like right. if if you have a kid, you know how you see a father bails his son out every single time. Yeah, of course. He bails him out at 16, then he has to bail him out at 18, then 22, then 24, then 33, then 39, then 48, yeah. then 52. You didn't build a leader. You build a dependent person. These too big to fail companies are now dependent on the government to constantly bail them out. It's not good for the economy. That's not capitalism, by the way, just so you know that. It's not. That is not. That's called crony. That's when the yeah. that's when the people come out against capitalism, and I'm with them. I actually agree with them because why you're letting these companies that can just go around throwing out around throwing around their weight because they're needed. What companies come to mind? Like what Bear Stearns obviously folded during two thousand eight, right? Bear Stearns was so, clearly not too big to fail. They, right. They what what companies should have failed this time around? Some cruise lines, some air airline companies. Oh. What other companies should oh, have failed this look, time around? Look, it, it's not. It, look, I understand the whole argument that the airlines are a, a, a national need and it's a matter of national security. I get that, but when you spend ninety six percent 
of the money that you make on share buybacks, mm -hmm. and then you have to go to the government for a handout. And and when you when when you're up late at night, you know, throwing threats out there, we're going to fire everybody if we don't get the stimulus tomorrow. When you're putting the feet to the fire of the politicians and the taxpayers of the United States, by the way, and you paid yourself all the bonuses and you've got your vacation homes and you're not missing a meal at all, but yet you're you're holding other people hostage because you didn't run your business efficiently enough to plan for a rainy day. By the way, Delta, cleanest balance sheet in the country, they haven't had to push through with layoffs because they didn't take too much debt on. Hmm. And they're a different story. And so why why don't we reward the companies that plan to survive whether there's a bump in the economy or not, as opposed to rewarding the companies that can only survive if everything's going perfectly? And when, then when the peanut butter hits the fan, then we have to go bail them out. Everything's incentive. Everything is incentive system. The way you had a couple parents spend some time with me this weekend, they asked me, how do you get your kids to read? And I said, it's very simple. They just watched everything that happened. So Dylan, it's his birthday. He got 50 gifts. Just because you got 50 gifts, you don't play with all the 50 gifts, not in the David household. And one of the guys got him some Lego. I didn't say anything. Dylan came up. Daddy, look how cool this Lego is. I said, dude, that's sick. <laughs> he said, so how many books do I have to read for this? I said, what do you think? Let's negotiate. Wow. He says, it's smaller than the other one. I said, I agree. How about we make this one eight? I said, I'm okay with that. So I do eight, then we go build it together. No problem. Dad, can you put it up there so I can see it? I put all the stuff I buy for them at the top so they can see it. They can't reach it, yeah. but they can see what their toys are. No problem. The couple that's sitting next to me, they're that's like, incentive. wow, I didn't even say anything. He came. Right. He, we shared the excitement. We made a negotiation. He knew he had to earn it to play the Lego. He came up with the number eight. I put up the incentive as a compensation structure for him to see it. Now he's got to go yeah. read his eight <laughs> Compensation so, structure for you, you know, when, when it comes down to today's compensation <laughs> structure is, hey, too big to fail. Whether you screw up or not, don't worry about it. Let's open a Lego right now. What are we doing? What are we doing? Gotta, but then he knows how to post. he knows how to behave in the corporate world and, and not sit there and be like, I'm on my Facebook time. And you're like, no, you're working. Do you guys remember that video I did with the breaking the TV thing? I got to give a shout out to my daughter. This is a very <laughs> special moment. Senna, if you ever watch this, I, I want you to know how I handle this with you. So, uh, 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 so you have to teach these kids that they can't break things, and there's different systems on how to do it. So we did this video. You, with, you did you did show. So, so I got to show you this this video that as opposed uh, to tell. Yeah. So this video that we go and we break the TV to say, hey, your Paul. next five moves, Paul. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty uh, 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 intense video YouTube. that we, we made. YouTube. Anyway, so, you know, so I go and they see the TV. So, you know, this weekend, she's got family over. And uh, uh, she's spending time with her, you know, uh, peers and all this stuff. And I see her grabbing the Xbox remote and she just tapping the TV. I just bought this TV. It's an 85-inch screen TV. She's tapping the TV, tapping the TV, tapping the TV, and she's smiling. And then all of a sudden she has one big smile and she really smiles. By the way, this was a... Uh, 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 what is this the one? This is, yeah, this is the one. So watch this here, okay? So she shouldn't have seen this video, okay? Now that's her daddy doing it. It's, it's a 
marketing video we made. You can pause it, Kai. Oh, I thought that's what you did if they played too much Xbox. No, no, no. This was because... You don't read eight books? Paul, this is what happens. Dang. This was because Paul was watching one too many uh, uh, videos late at night on his phone, okay, and not Netflix. So, anyways, that's a whole different story, okay? That's a, that's a very sweet shout-out to you, Paul. We love you, baby. You're amazing. So, anyways, anyways, so this is obviously, Josh was, this is marketing idea to do something like this, so we did this video, and then, uh, uh, so Senna is sitting there, and he's hitting, uh, she's hitting the TV. I don't think anything about it, because we're not watching that TV that night. The next week, two weeks later, like just yesterday, uh, the next day, we turn on the TV, and, and CMX like, what is that on the TV? I'm like, what's what? Why is there a big circle on the TV? I'm like, what is that circle? I'm like, guys, who did that? And I'm looking around to see all the kids where they are. Tico's not moving. Dylan's not moving. Senna's hiding under the couch. <laughs> I'm like, Senna, what are you doing down there? And she's hiding. I'm like, oh, my Sweet gosh. Girl. I said, come on, we got to go talk. Yep. So she comes out. We go to the living bedroom. I said, why'd you do that? So you realize if you do that, and I'm not going to replace the TV for a while because I want them to see Mm-hmm. to complain uh-huh. about the fact that they don't like how it looks. The TV's not getting replaced for some time. It's going to sit just, I can buy, you know, it, it, go You can afford them, another no, TV, I get But, but it's going to sit right yeah. there for them to kind of see, okay, you want to break the TV next time? Here's what happens. Then I said, Senna, what's your favorite toy? And this is a shout out to Tikran. I said, what's your favorite toy? She says, uh, uh, Elsa. I said, go grab your Elsa toy. So we took the Elsa toy and we threw it away. Oh! <gasps> Now, I grabbed it. I put it in a bag. When she sees this, I have it. I'm going to give it to her in six months. But I put it in a drawer. <laughs> I kept months. it. And I said, if you show me that you yeah. can take care of the stuff that we have in our house, I'll buy you a bigger Elsa toy. But if you can't take care of the stuff that we have in our house that we work very hard for, I'm not going to buy it for you. Mm. And I said, how does it feel right now? You lost the Elsa. Not good. I said, the same feels that we went and worked hard for this TV. It doesn't feel good. You have to take care of your stuff. Are yeah. you going to work on that stuff? Yes, I am. So now every time she watches the TV and Dylan says... Why is there that hole on the TV? So then it goes like, it's so funny. But, you know, the, the point is, this: our parents did certain things like this to us for us to realize what you have to do. I think uh, I think we got to do the same thing to some of these too-big-to-fail companies. They got to feel a little bit of the pain. We can't just print money. Can, hey, listen, can you give me another couple hundred billion dollars? Can you give me five billion dollars? That's all I'm asking for. Just give me another five billion dollars. Yeah. You can't do that too often. So since you talk about airlines, let's talk about this. 30,000 airline jobs. Hang in the balance as lawmakers debate. Airlines agreed uh, last spring not to lay off or furlough, furlough any workers until October 1st as any condition, uh, as a condition of a $25 billion infusion of federal mm-hmm. aid, now bearing a last-minute agreement on how much to spend on a pandemic relief package for the country. Nearly 50,000 airline workers are set to be furloughed Thursday, right? And then Pelosi goes back. They're going back and forth. She's asking yep. for the $2.2 trillion. There was a little bit of a pushback yesterday, so they came back. Nothing was finalized. Uh, uh, American Airlines Group has warned that furloughs of 19,000 employees will start when when existing U.S. payroll support runs out at the end of the day Wednesday. Oh, they announced it last night. United Airlines Holdings said earlier this week that it was planning to cut 12,000 jobs and smaller carriers are set to make additional reductions as well. So the layoffs could cap job losses already total 150,000 at the nation's four largest carriers based on employees who have left voluntarily or taken temporary leave. So what's going on with the airline? Are we recovering? By the way, Kai, before she responds, can you pull up the TSA flight sheet to see how many people are traveling on a daily basis? But go ahead, ahead, uh, Danielle. So um, we are not. And I'll tell you why. Didn't you just say Zoom was the second number two? 
right? Yes. Company in the third quarter? Uh, first, 88%. Okay, yeah. Zoom. Um, if you talk to CEOs across the country, they know how to find their Zoom. And they know how consultants and businesses and conferences and meetings, they've already seen in their P&Ls, they've already seen in their budgets what their budgets looked like without travel. And they're like, wow, this is going straight to the bottom line. And I've got these people on a Zoom call doing what I used to spend, put the person in first class, in business class, put them up in a nice hotel for a week, and then fly them back home to the family on the weekends. That business is not coming back for a while. It's not coming back for a good long time. The second, the second element is international travels not coming back for a long time. And I think carriers worldwide have told you that. So can you profitably exist on leisure travel on the most cost-conscious cost flyers? The answer is no. So then why are we giving them more money? If it's going to be a reduced footprint for some time because we are evolving to a new type of technology such that we don't have to get on an airplane to meet with somebody halfway across the country or halfway around the world, if that's the case, then companies might not ever go back to having huge travel budgets like they had before. So, I mean, that is something that, that should be factored into what politicians are discussing right now, yeah. because in three or four months' time, when the next expiration comes, and they're they're saying, oh, now we're going to fire them, and you say, well, is, has business travel come back? No. So is it going to be another $25, trillion, $25 billion? So that's that's the question. Well, let, let me ask you this. Uh, is, uh, are, is the airline industry the next newspaper? No, 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 no. It, people will still want to go places. And, you know, the next supersonic jet is the, the next technology, the next generation of air travel is in the works. It is. But it, it's going to be it, this is like this is like New York real estate. Yeah. It's going to be a long time. It's What's been, a long time? What's a long time? It's decades? Gonna, it, it's a, I don't know that it's going to be decades. I don't know that we'll ever go back to where we were before. Yeah. Ever. And. I don't think that the footprint will ever need to be as big as it is. I don't think capacity is the bigger layoffs we're seeing is with aircraft manufacturers. I mean, look, three to four percent EBITDA. You're not dealing with big margins. So, and everybody keeps saying, "Oh, our flights are cheaper. Our flights are cheaper. Our flights are cheaper. Our flights are cheaper. Right. Our flights are cheaper." They're because competing they, on flights, not service. Right. But that's why I'm saying the leisure, yeah. the leisure traveler is not where the margins used to be. It was the guy in first class who was like, "I'm, I've got, I'm concierge key at American Airlines. Yeah. I'm total road, road, road warrior. I live to fly." That's not coming back anytime soon. I, I, I kind of don't disagree, by the way. That's, that's what's uh, uh, weird. If you look at this here, this is daily travel, right? This is on the TSA site on how many travelers we had on 930 versus how many travelers we had a year ago on 2019. Look at that. 634 was yesterday. Last year, same exact day, 2 million 82, right? Yep. Let's see what's the highest number we cracked. Did we crack a million at all? So I see 873 right there. Let's see if there's a number bigger than 873. Labor Day, Keep was, going lower. Labor Day was pretty. Keep going lower. 935. Nine, okay, seven. 935. 968 that's was Labor the high. Day. That's Labor Day. That's right. Keep going higher. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And keep then July going. 4th was the, other, was the other peak. Let's see what the other one is. Go to July 4th. 
So 960, I don't see any 800s for a while. And then July 4th, 466, 718. Okay, so 968. So we have not cracked a million. So no, Labor we have Day, not yeah. cracked a million. So, But here's, here's the other part. I really enjoyed this conversation with Pablo Solman, this hacker guy. You know, we talked about the virus. Okay, we talked about the virus. We talked about a lot of things. He has the cure. He, he knows. He said, he says, look, I know exactly how to prevent hurricanes from happening. I said, then how come there's no, how come we're not stopping? He says, because there's not a business model for it. So what do you mean there's not a business model for it? Wouldn't some governments give some money to be able? He says, Pat, we know how to prevent a hurricane from happening. I said, if you know how to prevent a hurricane from happening, do you have a way of creating hurricanes? He starts laughing. He said, yes, we also know how to create a hurricane. Sure. I said, okay, how about fires? How come we can't put the fires out? His answer was, some of these fires we need. It's actually good that we're having some fires. Some of these fires, when I said, well, California is having way too many of them. He says, we have the technology, but there's not a business model for it. I said, if the smartest people live in California, how come we can't fix that? <laughs> but when we went to the vaccine, he gave a very interesting answer. And again, remember, this guy is the guy that wants everybody to be vaccinated because he thinks that's the solution. And he thinks people who think vaccines are bad have issues. That's really what this guy thought. You have issues if you don't take the vaccine. So I'm giving you to know who he is with his positions before I tell you what he said. He said one of the, one of the things that uh, we made a mistake with is modern day travel. I said, what do you mean? He says, we travel way too much. He says, we travel way too much. He says, that's one of the reasons why. I said, what can we do to prevent the next uh, coronavirus or next SARS or Ebola from happening? He says, we need to minimize modern day travel, international travel, it's way too much. Hmm. Think about this. Think about this whole concept of what airlines are going through today because when you go on a flight, like even myself, I, I'm on a flight a few months back, I'm going to Palm Springs to have a meeting with NLG. I don't know when it was. Maybe it was February or January to go to their strategy session that they're having at Palm Desert Ritz-Carlton. So we go. And I'm sitting first class next to this guy. He's uh, telling me about his uh, uh, husband and how they've been together for 28 years. French guy. And this is January. Okay? This is January. So he takes out his wipe and he starts wiping the seat. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, what a, oh, you're one of those guys. This guy's got a frick. So he starts wiping his handle. He starts wiping the middle. And he says, here you go. Wipe your seat. I'm like, oh, I'm good. He says, I'm just trust me. Wipe your seat. So I start, I'm like, oh, now I look like one of these guys that's wiping. He says, I always wipe. And he's teaching me. I always wipe the screen because you're going to touch the screen. Wipe the screen. Wipe the So he's teaching me everything to wipe. Mm -hmm. He says, you also have to wipe this thing that you bring up, you know, first class to put your He says, wipe this. So he says, here's some hand sanitizer. I'm like, at this point of the game, I'm like, this is a little too much. This, this is guy's pre, this is pre corona. Pre corona. So you're like, this he, guy's out of control. He's giving me all this stuff. So I'm like, I'm finally doing it. I'm like, I'm kind of like doing it just to accommodate him. We ended up having a three hour straight conversation. Incredible conversation. We stayed in contact. Really cool guy. We took shots. We joked around. He's worked in Iran at a hotel. We had a very good time together. Anyways. When we get off the flight, Jen is looking at me saying, why are you guys hugging each other? We just got to, oh, my God, just my new friend. We had the most ridiculous, full-blown gay, 28 years married, and we laughed the entire flight to Palm Springs, right? Now when I get on flights, I take out the spray. I'm doing the spray. I'm doing the wipe. I'm doing everything this guy did. I'm, yep. And I'm telling you, for anybody that knows me, you would have never yeah. seen me doing the wipes and all this other stuff. Right? Well, like, listen, it's going to be when, all right. When you see how yeah. quickly they turn trains, when, when you see how quick, quickly trains, they turn planes yeah. around, there's no way to clean them. I, I agree. But the point I'm trying to make to you is, man, how long is it going to take for us for people to try? Like, let's just say you were doing business in China. 
you going to take that travel? You're going to take that flight back to China? I don't know. Let's just say you were running biz dev in China. You're going to fly to? You think, you think out of the millions of people that were traveling, are gonna, the 100% of the million people are comfortably going to be willing to travel back to China? But you know, I, I don't know about that. I think there's going to be something's taking place maybe, with maybe, maybe not China. Last year, la, last year I went to Australia, though, and I, I would go back. And there is Pre-COVID, though. Th- yes, pre-COVID. But there is technology out there. There is UV technology out there. There are entrepreneurs right now who are figuring out how to zap buildings and how to zap airplanes and make it quick and efficient. And just there are zappers out there. It's not, it, it's not so much that you have to clean surfaces with liquids. The technology exists in, in UV to make the germs go away and do it efficiently and do it. It doesn't, the scale doesn't exist yet, they, but they it's coming. They need to get that ASAP. They need to get that ASAP. But it's coming. I promise. I mean, I hope it's coming fast. You know, I hope they get it very quickly because those guys, if they don't, that industry is not looking too pretty. If they, if they don't figure out a solution fairly quickly, I really believe it's going to be problematic for the airline industry for some time. By the way, did you have any opinions on the, on the uh, Trump tax returns or no? Did you... The seven hundred fifty dollars are there? Anything you're pretty reasonable when it comes down to things like this. Um, you know, I look. He he clearly his tax returns might have been that of any other real estate developer on steroids. There are definitely some questionable expenses that he has taken, and the only thing I don't uh, that I don't think has been established is whether or not. The, the statute of limitations on IRS audits is paused and whether or not a standing president can be audited or whether or not that situation goes into a holding pattern as long as he's in office. So, I mean, the, 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 the biggest thing at issue is the $72.9 million refund that he got only by way of legislation that Obama signed into law that changed the tax law that allowed him to go further back in time. And Three more years, two and a half more years. And claw, yeah. claw, claw forward mm-hmm. former losses that had no value prior yeah. to that. But I think that if there was a smoking gun, I think we would have seen it by now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the reality of it is no one's seen the return. So no one really knows what's going on. And no. this whole tax return thing, the first person that did the tax return, was it Nixon? Is Nixon the first person that started showing tax returns? Because prior to, I think FDR did a little bit, but then when No, F- no, I FDR, think you're right. I think you're right about yeah. that. Nick, Nixon was the first one. Yeah, FDR, they found the fact that he had stocks and Nazi-owned yes. companies and all that stuff. That's the stuff that came back during, he, during he also, FDR's he, side. He also mm-hmm. increased the taxes, but then it was, uh, the, it was found that it was unconstitutional for him or for the president's yeah. taxes to increase. So he it was, he was like a hypocrite in the sense of he was saying, oh, pay more taxes. But, but not himself. He went to Congress yeah. and they lowered the taxes. Who is he? FDR. Uh, FDR, yeah. yeah. You know, so so this whole, you, but you realize president doesn't have to show their tax return. It's not like mandatory for them no. to show tax returns. When John Kerry did his returns, he showed his full return, but his wife's the rich one in the family. The Heinz. She showed partial. Yeah, Heinz ketchup, yeah. right? Yeah. <clears throat> Well, but I mean, look, $70,000 deductions for haircuts, paying Ivanka, consulting fees. There are definitely, um, you, it, let's put it this way, it, it was not presidential how he treated the U.S. tax code by playing fast and loose. But did he break a law? I think if he'd broken a law, we would know it by now. If he wasn't president, I don't think anyone would be complaining. If it was just Donald Trump, the real estate mogul, yeah. people would be like, you know, Donnie do what Donnie do. He is what he is, right? No, so I mean, the real the issue— The he's president, yeah. he— Yeah, there you know, are— This is why people are questioning. And, and there are reasons that the, that the district attorney in Manhattan um, is going to get mm-hmm. uh, the returns, and there are certain Deutsche Bank 
loans that are in question, and there are there 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 are entities where he didn't fully extricate himself, and yet he took advantage of laws as if he had. There are some questionable things. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I don't think that with a standing president that anything can be done. Do you think, did he thank Obama on the debate? Yes. It was probably with a little sarcasm. Oh, I don't know if he did uh, during the but, debate, but. No, during the debate, he said something about, uh, thank you, Obama, because of you. <laughs> Classic. You know? Yeah, but he's he right. He actually should be thanking Obama. It's the only well, reason he's Obama got, yeah, he's helped got the rich, $70 million. Obama helped the rich get richer. Yeah. Obama yeah. helped the rich get He really did. Yeah. Obama helped the rich get richer, and he bailed out a lot of people. Obama Obama's did. a capitalist. Come on, guys. <laughs> Obama's uh, uh, good for the rich people. Obama's a, uh, uh, he would be falling under the crony side, though, because he helped out the bigger guys. That's what he mm. did. He helped out the bigger guys. He did. And I think that that's, so. that's you know, people think that you know, the Democrats are for the people and the Republicans are for, are for commerce. Rich people, yeah. Uh-uh. No, no. I mean, if, if, if you look back at Fannie and Freddie, who got bailed out by the U.S. government, you know, the third largest political contributions were made to Obama. So, um, and by the way, who ran up our debt? at a really fast pace, quietly, quietly, while the Federal Reserve had interest rates at zero. But you know, he- Speaking of Danielle, uh, debt, Danielle, because this is, you know, I, I'm intrigued by your mindset here. You, you ever see the, the U.S. debt clock? This, yes, this, this yes, 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 yes. It is scary, like with all the green and the red and the red and the green. If you guys have not seen this U.S. debt clock, yeah, Kai, pull this up. Go ahead and do this on your Twenty-seven plus end. trillion. This is scary yeah, stuff. Yeah, al almost just, twenty-seven trillion. Okay, so like one of the I, I I get like I don't play video games, but this is my definition of a video game. I go in there and I watch all these numbers yeah. coming in, debt per person, U.S. GDP, Bing, Bing, Bing. So if you can go to the debt time, the debt clock time machine, right? So, and you can, top right, there you go, Kai, you're doing great today. And you can fast forward four years or go back four years. So Kai, what I want you to do is let's go back to 2008, right? Pre-recession. 10. 10, tri Ten. Uh, 10 trillion, yeah? Yep. Is that 10 trillion? And happy holidays, we should end the year around 30. Okay. So think about that. So now go back to where it is now. No, Kai. go to 2016. Yeah. That's what you want to do. Wait a minute. Let's go year by year. Let's go, go 2016. 2016. He doubled Double. Okay, boom. Now we're That's at 20 trillion. That's my point. Trillion. It was the quietest widening of the social safety net in U.S. history Agreed. since FDR was in office. I, I'm not, this isn't well, a political you're, you're, you're point going here. Somewhere I'm not, here. This is not a political point. This is a monetary point. Kai, keep going. 2020, now we're at 26. So we went yeah. from 10 to 20 to 26. Go four years from now, Kai. Now we're at 47. So when, so. Okay, who the hell came up with 47? That's just based on Social Security spending, Medicare spending, entitlements, the baby go, boomers, it's not blah, gonna blah, blah. Go from, it's not going to go from 27 to $47 trillion. I mean, whoever, okay, so, all right. Wait so a minute, you, wait a minute, wait a minute. Donald J. Trump signed socialism into law. I, How I, do you put that genie back in the bottle? I, I agree. What do you mean he signed 40, socialism into law? That's the stimulus. What's I mean, the stimulus? You, yeah, you're, that's you, socialism, of course. There was the there was the alternative to do infrastructure spending. I didn't spending agree with it. You're looking at me like I wanted it. <laughs> You're saying we should have not had any stimulus package whatsoever. No, it's not that. I'm just saying we could no have we, we could have we could have spent the money of the country more smartly. Right now, mm -hmm. it, look how, how many months since the CARES Act just passed? How it's been what? since March, so it's been six okay. months. Yeah. Okay, so how many Americans would be at work right now had we done infrastructure spending as part of that bill? How many? At how least many? ten million. Yeah. No, probably not ten million, but a lot more. Would be at work right now than they are, and and but when you try sign, getting people back, when you sign socialism into law, when you pay people to not work, they get used to it and they like it, which means that you get to keep. That means that forty-seven is 
is conservative. Kai, why don't you bring so back you think the that's more a conservative important number? clock? If we're going to be, if if oh, if, if yeah. what what did we just talk There's, about? Yeah. We just talked about industries not coming back, right? So, so if that is accurate, even slightly accurate, the U.S. debt clock, whether it's thirty trillion or 20, 27 trillion or forty trillion, what does that do to America? Well, at some With point, this crazy amount of debt. What so, does that do? Again, we whether that's off by a few trillion or not. Most Americans have grown up with falling interest rates. Everybody knows deflation, deflation, deflation. The cost of my TV is just cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Mm -hmm. What's gotten more expensive? Your iPhone. But but the cost of a lot of things have decreased over a factor of time. You want to run the debt up that much? Mm -hmm. We're gonna we're gonna figure out what inflation was, which is before you were born. What do you think, Pat? About what? Just the, just these numbers. I, I nothing. None of this stuff excites me. I'm not for it. In 08, we should have let the guys go out of business. Mm -hmm. It should have been okay. Yeah. The only guy that paid back, shout out to Bob Ben Moshe, who died That's in 2012. AIG, yeah. AIG CEO that came back from MetLife. He was on his deathbed living him. at Dubrovnik, yeah. Croatia. And I we did business with him for many years. We were his top IUL writing for four or five years. I love he we would sit in the meeting, he says, Let me tell you guys what happened. The other day I called my mother-in-law. And I take my mother-in-law out to dinner all the time. When I went to dinner with my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law said, Bob, why don't you get back with my daughter? He says, women, don't you understand? I like you. I don't like your daughter. I mean, that's what the leadership meetings he did. That's how he was. So the mother-in-law. Oh, my gosh. He's phenomenal. By the way, I think when he died, both his ex-wife and his girlfriend were there holding his hands when he died. Well, that's a way to go. You got to respect that part right there. When you got that kind of a, Bobby when you're B. able to win the left yeah. and the right, I mean, <laughs> he would have been a great moderator. So that's tell a, me, Biden. That, that's a centrist yeah, for you. So that's a centrist for you. So when it comes down to the guy, they got $183 billion. I had dinner with him and a CFO one time, David Herzog. David Herzog is a guy that went from being a CFO. I think he was a CEO, CFO of American General to becoming a CFO of AIG. They went to the government, got a $183 billion line. They paid it back within five, six years with $21 billion of interest, and GM is still trying to pay back the debt. So you got to respect what these guys did at AIG, but that's not everybody. Mm -hmm. It's not no. everybody. Everybody else kept their money. Everybody kind of stuck around, and they did their money. A cool story about Bob and Moshe when, he, when AIG brought him to save him, and they said, so Bob, we really need you, and we think you're the right guy to do it. And he says, okay, well, this is my ask. He puts the number. They said, you want us to pay you $10 million a year? He says, yes. I'm like a prostitute. I can be bought. I'm just an expensive prostitute. <laughs> they paid him his $10 million and wow. he saved AIG. Bob is a unique type of guy. Man, When he died uh, on, on the night he did, it was our award ceremony. It was a, Mark Peterson, one of our friends, came up, and we had a, a very interesting moment because, he, you know, I love that guy. Bob was my kind of a guy. So this year, if we keep giving him money out, what happens, the problem here is the fact that now the left doesn't have an argument against Trump because if Trump wouldn't have done this, they would have said, if we were in house, we would have given you the money. So he did. So Sorry, but when did yeah. Sanders drop out? After. To the CARES Act. I mean, it's like, okay, I... I what am I going to do now? What's I want it socialism. Yeah. We have socialism. Move I know, on. I know you want to move on to the clock, but can we bring up one topic real quick? Yeah. What about the new stimulus deal? I assume you're not for anything. Are you for anything? And where are we at with this new stimulus plan, this remake, Heroes Act Part 2, the Heels Act? Where are we at with that? Again, you, you have an intractable problem because a few months ago you had... 26, 30 million Americans collecting unemployment insurance. You got the same thing now. It is not productive to continually just throw money at people. So no more stimulus. That's no, the agreement. No. Well, but, We're done. But no more the stimulus. problem is, be, because of 
what has not been done in terms of making productive investments as a government is you're going to have a homeless crisis overnight. Look at what's going on in L.A. You I mean, going to have a homeless crisis overnight. But when you think of all the people who cannot afford to pay their bills right now. So what do you do if, if people can't pay their bills, there's COVID going on, they're homeless, you have to do something about the problem. You can't just be like, yo, you're well, too small to fail, buddy. By the way, this is the formula if you want to go into socialism. This is the formula. Keep giving free money and then have a guy stop giving free money. Then he goes from being Robin Hood to being the worst, most hated man on earth worldwide. That's what happens to the guy. That's what's about to happen to him if he doesn't sign the next stimulus. He, oh, talk about a story. They're going to show homelessness, and they're going to, it's called the Hegelian dialectic, which means create a problem, mm-hmm. but don't do it. Create a problem, okay? Then blame somebody for it. Then the person that created a problem, come out and say, I'm here to save you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what's happening right now. Create a problem, homelessness. Find somebody to point a finger and blame at, which is Trump. And then come back and say, that's why you need us. If we were here, you wouldn't have been homeless. Arsonist and firefighter. We would have been amazing. It would have been so good for you. We are your heroes. Oh, my gosh, Newsom, we love you so much. And then, boom, all this other stuff happens. It's a very simple formula. It's a very uh, uh, formula that's been around for a long, long time that's being used today. So do you think Mnuchin actually wants to cut a deal? Oh, yeah, I do. You think he does? Look, there's something else going on here. So What's going on? It, it's it's a little bit wonky, but what we call quantitative easing, what people think of as money printing, mm-hmm. requires a product. Jay Powell has to have something to buy in order to keep the stock market levitated. He needs treasury issuance. He needs fresh debt created so that he can buy it up and grow the Fed's balance sheet, which transmissions itself back, recycles itself back into the stock market. And that's why, as the Fed's, as the growth of the Fed's balance sheet has been tapering off in recent weeks, we've seen a little bit of wobbliness in the markets. The markets have gone to the moon the last 72 hours on the hopes of this stimulus because Jay Powell's going to have more product to buy. If, if he's got $2 trillion more dollars of treasuries out there, then the Fed's balance sheet can go from $7 trillion to $9 trillion. Hmm. And he'll buy it all. And that Trump knows. And if you want to know why Pelosi doesn't want to do the stimulus and why she's pushing back as much as she is, it's because she knows that the one thing that can that that the best thing to get him reelected is that stocks are at all time highs on hmm. November the third. If they do the stimulus, stocks will be at an all time high. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. I tell you the second half, second half of Trump, he doesn't have to get reelected. Everything he wanted to do, he's going to do in the second half. Good, bad, ugly, all of it. That's, uh, Obamacare, finishing up the wall, going after the Clintons, going after everything he's going to do on his second term. Everything. Good, bad, ugly, because he doesn't. And by the way, rates are going to go up. Rates are going to go up. The market's not going to be as high. Market's going to take a little bit of a hit. You're going to see all that stuff happen on the second term. That's Shout what's out to Danielle term. for making wonkiness uh, understand. But let's go, <laughs> let's go to the, the, the real debt clock, because these people know New York City climate change clock in New York City counts down to global deadline. Did you guys know we only have seven years, 103 days, 15 hours, and 24 minutes left to live? That's the climate change debt clock. Are you worried or no? Guys, we got to go home. I, I say we go, we go, we go like have a couple shots. I just got a nice bottle of wine from a friend, Artin. 
who's got a book coming out. Six hundred dollar bottle of wine. I don't know what it is. I seen you told me it's a good bottle of wine. We drink the bottle of wine. We go party. Maybe we go to Vegas for the last seven years that's left. What are we doing working here? Seriously, why am I working if we know the the end of the world is coming? Don't you worry about this stuff? Where do you see yourself seven years from now, Pat? I mean, frozen. Or burn. <laughs> the, the Cryogenics. Cryogenics. <laughs> I'll show you for taking miles. I'll freeze you. Let Am I either going to be frozen or burn? Let it be. Yeah. What's the song? How's so it Please don't. Yes. No, no, we didn't. We didn't I didn't go there. Right. It I went through my it. head. You just I've offended Senna. I didn't go you there. just offended Senna and her community. Oh. <laughs> Guys. You so. have her doll hidden, held hostage. I just told you what happens when you hide Elsa. Elsa's hidden. She's gonna make. I'm gonna cryogenic you, Dad. Do you have an opinion on this? On this? Uh, on this? On Elsa? Change, on the climate change debt uh, debt clock? Look, have you have you seen the social dilemma? No, but I've heard oh, good things. No, no, I but my sister even said it to me. Oh, and said that. G. I mean, tell me about it, that. It's got the the guy from Facebook who invented the like button. He's like, mm. it was supposed to be something that spread happiness and joy. And all of a sudden now it's something for teenagers and teenage girls to judge themselves by, whether they have this many likes or not. Yeah. So, but it, it, all insiders, all whistleblowers, all people who, they, they, their lives are set. They've got plenty of money to live for the rest of their lives. They had absolutely no reason to do this. And they've all come out. And whether it's climate change, they, they went through a scene in, in, in this huge documentary that is revolutionary. I recommend everybody What's watch it. What's it called I, again? The, social the social dilemma. dilemma. Can you I watched put the link below in the, in the comment section so people can go to it? I watched I watched it with my twins, put and my twins were section. like, their mouths were open. I mean, they're, they're almost 13-year-olds, totally engaged. Um, they went and they did, what is climate change in, in a Google search? So they did it on the West Coast, in the middle of the country, and on the East Coast. And the first thing that pulls up is different depending on where you are. If you're on the left coast and you pull up climate change, it'll say climate change is an existential disaster. If you're smack in the middle of Trump country in the middle of the, in, in the Midwest and you pull up climate change, the first thing that Google shows you knowing where you are is, is a hoax. Climate mm. change is a hoax. You go over to the East Coast, again, you get back to climate change is going to destroy the planet. But it depended, and you know, if you're in the deep south, again, Wow. So, but that is how, that's why things like this, I see differently because you know that somebody with an agenda is manipulating you. And that, that's why I think the onus is on enjoy social media, exploit social media, use social media to get ahead, but you got to do your own damn homework. Mm. You do because everybody's got an agenda and social media is a really effective and efficient way to pu to, to push your what your thoughts and your views, whether they're right or wrong, and most of the time, by the way, they're not. Most if there's an agenda, that means that it's not pure facts. And this is why you're making your kids read. Many people are saying the fact that they watch a story. Cuffy said, "I watch a social dilemma on Netflix. It's really awesome and eye-opening." Kai, did you put the link below for people to, be able to get it? Just put it in the comment section so they can get it. Uh, uh, but uh, we're coming to the end of it. Uh, here we have two topics to touch on. We can touch up on uh, Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett, or we can touch up on ballot harvesting Project Veritas with Ilhan Omar. Which one do you want to touch on? Pick it. Ladies, uh, let's do let, let, let's do SCOTUS. Let's do SCOTUS. Tell us about SCOTUS. Are you confident with the nominee that Trump has chosen, Amy Coney Barrett? I think that um, 
I think that what he did with choosing her is brilliant because I have only read opinions from people on the left about her. Only. Because mm -hmm. you can you can read you can you can have you, you can have people validate your thinking yep. all day and on Sundays. So I only read pieces from people. I read one from a some, from somebody who clerked with her when mm -hmm. she was at the Supreme Court with Scalia. And he basically said that another woman who's now the dean of Stanford Law School and her were the most accomplished, brilliant jurists of that class. And he said, I don't agree with 99% of her views, but you cannot take away the brilliance of her mind and her work ethic and her understanding of the law. And you know, it was, it was interesting because if you go back to Kavanaugh, to the Kavanaugh hearings, which were just a circus, people with agendas, again, and you see a speech by Susan Collins, Republican, Maine. She gave a speech that I made my 16-year-old read the speech from the beginning to the end, and she said, I did my job as a senator. I went and met with him. I went and read through his cases and his decisions, and this whole thing saying he's you know some right-wing crack job, look at his work. Look at his body of work. You are wrong. And she's saying this to the Senate. This witch hunt is inappropriate for what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be deciding whether or not this person is a jurist and capable of being on the Supreme Court. And so if nothing else, whether it's Trump or his advisors, somebody learned a lesson from that. And they got somebody who is bulletproof. What are your, do you think she'll, I mean, we're, we're 31 days out 33. from an election. 33, 33 days out. Do you think that there's going to, a vote will be held? I, if there are no skeletons in her closet, and it does not seem like there are, mm -hmm. then there's no reason that there would be, that there wouldn't be an expedited vote. Mm. Now, the risk is, the risk is the Constitution does not cap the number of justices at nine. The cap in the Constitution is 15. Hmm. And that's why during the debate a few nights ago, you kept hearing Trump press Biden on, will you stack the court? Will you stack the court? Why won't you give your list of, of potential nominees? That's what he's talking about. Believe it or not, he's read that, that particular portion of the Constitution because I don't think our president's read most of it. But he understands that element that if, if, if the Senate is taken by the Democrats, mm -hmm they can come in and increase the size of the court to 15, such that mm -hmm. the, the court would only be, quote unquote, stacked and right-leaning for a short period of time. When's the last time it was more than nine? Never. But it could go to 15, FDR you're saying. It's never been more than nine, it, but that's it, the... It started off as six. Okay. And, and what, then that it, was back in... Back in the 1800s. And okay. then it, it shifted over to nine. But again, the cap in the Constitution is 15. Hmm. So why has it never been over nine? It's well, it's it, it seems like when things become habit, they become habitual. Hmm. And that was just what it was and how it stayed. And you've always had a balance. Um, FDR threatened when he was in office to stack the bench and to increase the number because we'll FDR, bench. FDR had a lot of a, a lot of his own agenda. Anyways, this is a pivotal time in U.S. history. 
and we should be paying very close to what happens now, but also whether or not we're going to see the Constitution itself by our politicians be used legally. What about the whole Merrick Garlic, uh, Merrick Garland argument? Meaning, they nominate him. It was ten months out. Now it's sixty days out. They, not, they nominate Amy Comey Barrett. Like again, is this, there not, you this know, was this was unseemly. It was arguably the wrong thing to do, but mm -hmm. that has never stopped our president and or McConnell. Or, or McConnell, and when the shoe was on the other foot, the votes mm -hmm. weren't there. So they were able to push back. Right now, they've got the votes. They've got the ammunition, so they can push it forward. Here's, here's a question for you. Yeah. Who does this help? Is this helping Trump's reelection chances, or is this helping Biden? Oh, of course this helps Trump's. Look, if this thing, you can, you can count ballots in Wisconsin up, up until November the 9th. There are, there are more than 250 open lawsuits right now regarding the election going on throughout the country. Biden's got his army of lawyers. Trump's got his army of lawyers. They're all fighting these cases. If if it's going to be Thanksgiving, possibly, or maybe into the into December before we have a decision, if there is a chance that the Supreme Court, as was the case with Bush, is going to decide the election, then it's really what's happening with the Supreme Court is way more important than anything else if it's going to go to the highest court in the land. Why do you think it would help Biden in this case? No. no I'm, you asked the question. I'm saying, no, no, why I, would it? I don't. Oh, why would it help Yeah, Biden? why would it? Like, why we, why'd that even Why would it help Biden is the people that are so worried about Roe versus Wade, if there's ever a time for you to come out and show up, this is it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you really want to fight for that, like, you have to realize, hey, the campaign on the left should be, we have to win House. We have to. So let's just say he gets the Supreme Court. The campaign's got to be, if we win House, if we have Senate and we have presidency, then we can increase the 9 to 11 and we can put in two new, two new Supreme Court. Uh, That's exactly court. right. We can, so the campaign's got to change from that angle. So I think this is an opening for them to campaign better and sell it better. There's a many opportunities to use this as a way to market yeah. and help themselves. If, many. If, if Biden came out and started to outline who was going to be in his cabinet— you know, he, he could get people's attention because everybody knows that it's not going to be just that one man. I mean, that much is known. Shout out to the two 2,700 people that are Live. watching right now. Also, Sarfina, who just gave $10, and we've had a few other people that will give 20 or $30. Shout out to all of you guys. By the way, um, since we're wrapping up here, there's a couple things I do want to do. If you're enjoying this, put a thumbs up and subscribe and click the alert button so you're notified. I believe next Tuesday... I believe next Tuesday we're going to have a special guest with us as well. You will know who that guest is. Next Tuesday is going to be a special one. Don't miss that one. But I got a special gift for you. You know, uh, uh, Adam and I were talking a couple weeks ago, and you were telling me that Joe Kick is, is not one of the best passers of all time. You said Sabonis right. is the greatest big man passer of all time. I said Joe Sabonis from the Portland Trailblazers, and, <laughs> and I went and pulled up the stats, and Sabonis was averaging two assists a game, big. and he's the one of the greatest. So since you're such a big fan, I got his jersey for you. I got a, I got a Sabonis I got jersey Arvidas Sabonis. You better sport Shout this thing. Arvidas. I got this for you because like you, number 11. you think he is such fan. an incredible you know, so passer funny. as a big man, but having said that, I do folks. like Joe Kick. Uh, by the way, somebody said, uh, Danielle, they follow you on Twitter. They would like to have you consider uh, opening your own Facebook fan page 
and being more active because these videos can go viral if you don't have one. So some people want to okay. see you having a, she will consider it. And if she does, maybe on the next time she comes back as a guest on a podcast, I'm, I'm she'll announce it, it. So just yep. write that down. You can talk to the team. So having said that, folks, uh, we got two big announcements we'll be making on the next podcast on Tuesday. Two massive announcements that I can't wait to make next. I'm hoping we'll be ready to make the announcements, but I think next Tuesday we're going to make two big announcements for you. Again, if you haven't subscribed, do so. Click that uh, uh, thumbs up button. Uh, Sauce, good show today. Danielle, thank you for being back and being a guest Lovely on the first here. podcast here together. Guys, take care. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Bye-bye.